Hello, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and today we're going to be talking about the astrology of uh, February 2024. I uh, hope that you're doing well out there. I am so excited that you're joining me live here today on this beautiful Friday afternoon. I'm just going to welcome a few friends here today. Um, we are going to be looking at the astrology of 2024. We're going to go through lunations, solar phases, ingresses, out-of-bounds planets, but uh, we can also answer some of your questions and share some of your comments here as well. So, Stephen the Jupiterian is here. Says, hey, Spencer, I hope February is bringing some good news for this sad rising. Well, Stephen, I hope that I'll be able to bring you some, some good news with uh, the planets. The planets are kind of doing their thing, and we'll see how we can navigate those waters together. Beth is here. E.K. White says, listening from work today, looking forward to joining and catching up. Nice. Nice to see you, Beth. I hope that you're doing well wherever you're at now. I love your beautiful uh, garden picture there. Uh, looking forward to doing some gardening myself uh, in the coming months ahead. So thanks for joining us here today. Carol from Mass is here. Hello, Carol. Nice to see you. Says, hello, Spencer. Thank you for your February high beams <laughs> feels like i'm in the high beams today you see all the the lighting reflecting off my glasses today so i'll try to uh not get blinded by the light as they used to say in that in that song okay rachel is here says hello from roanoke virginia nice to see you rachel i love your little avatar with the purple hair i uh, hope everything's going well out there for you and that life is treating you well my friend Uranus Ascending is here. Hello, Uranus Ascending. Nice to see you, I believe, from Chicago-ish, if I remember correctly from the last time we chatted. Uh, welcome and hope everything's going uh, well for you in the land of Lincoln today. Dawn Fisher is here. It says, hi, you folks from Mobile, Alabama. Nice to see you, Dawn. Hope everything's going well your way and that you're staying warm in mobile alabama is it, is it hot down there right now is it cold what, what happens in the winter in alabama I'm, I'm from michigan it's snowy and rainy and we haven't seen the sun in about a week so <laughs> what's going on down there uh so well i'm just very excited that all of you are joining me today uh i'm looking forward to talking about the astrology of february 2024 and uh just spending a few hours with you breaking it down going over all of the different transits. Uh, we're going to talk about the decans of Aquarius and Pisces today. We're going to look at some of the slides from my uh, webinars that I do uh, with those specialties. We're going to go through the, the daily uh, planetary movement. We're going to look at the moons. We're going to look at all sorts of stuff. We go into depth on this channel. And I appreciate all the intelligence of the folks that join us on that journey. I'm going to welcome one more friend here. Uh, okay, Don's saying we're back up to 72 degrees after 8 last week. 8 degrees! Oh my goodness, that's crazy. That is a almost a 65 degree swing. <laughs> that's a lot. That's crazy. Sometimes that happens here in, uh, in Michigan as well. Mr. Hindsight is joining us from, says, Namaste from San Francisco. Nice to see you, friend. Uh, and thank you for that message that you sent me the other day. And uh, looking forward to checking out more of your artwork. Uh, Mr. Hindsight does some great, great artwork. Um, so, yeah, send me, for whatever you all are working on, send me the things that you're working on. I'll try to amplify your signals as much as possible. Okay, so we're talking about the astrology of 2024 today, February 2024. A couple announcements before we dive into it. First of all, uh, my offerings for 2024 are up at my website, spencermichaud.com. 
In addition to doing these live streams as one of my jobs, I also am a full-time astrologer. So if you are looking to get some personal insight into what the planets have in store for you, you can check out all of my offerings at my website, spencermichaud.com. I have a mythos natal reading where I go over your basic um, story for your entire life as far as the planets are concerned and all of the repeating patterns that you might be going through. Uh, I have a Kairos reading, which is looking at the next three months in advance to see the kind of timing that might be most fortuitous for you. Uh, we have a quarterly check-in that gives you a 10% discount for those transits. And then we have an oracle reading where we look at one specific question or issue. If there's something that you really want to focus on in your reading, um, that can be a good one if you have a specific, like a, a job question or relationship question, etc. And then, of course, there's a little Trinity Big Three mini reading with the sun, moon, rising, which, you know, even though it's only three of those placements, there's a lot of depth we can go into with just those three placements. So those are the offerings that you can check out there. I also uh, have an Aquarius season sale that is going on right now. Right now, you can check out my Decans of Aquarius webinar, which is 20% off until the end of Aquarius season, which is February 18th or so. Uh, these are two and a half to three hour webinars that I have done recently where we explore the mythology, the tarot associations, the fixed stars, we go into deep meaning about the planets associated with each 10 degree section of the zodiac. So if you're enjoying some of the things I talk about today and you want to go even further in depth into them, uh, check that out. 20% off the Decans of Aquarius and the other webinars for the other signs are up as well. I also want to have you guys get hip to the fact that my beautiful, magical partner, Tanya Andrews, has a sale going on. Uh, she is a conjure and hoodoo practitioner who makes these beautiful magically elected oils that are helping us to remediate some of our planetary placements and right now she has a sale of 50 percent off a uniquely uh formulated oil or uh, i don't know what you would call it like a, a some sort of um perfume essence oil uh some kind of uh, what is election that i'm looking that's the word i'm looking for sorry friends uh and she has 50 percent off a custom oil that is based on your unique natal chart so check her out third coast mojo she has an etsy account um, she's a wonderful person and she does wonderful work if you want to support the work that i am doing here today you can buy a super chat here on the youtube channel uh, you can ask a question, you can highlight a, a comment that you want to be put up on the screen, um, or if you're listening after the fact, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. All of your donations go a long way to supporting the work that I do and helping me keep the lights on and helping me keep, uh, keep doing this work and buying me the gift of time to do the research that I need to do. Okay, so those are the things that we're experiencing uh, with our announcements here. I'm going to just check in with all of you in the chat here. Ooh, we've got some nice people coming into the chat here again. Steven says, happy zeitgeist, right? We're all tapping into the zeitgeist on some level. Uh, Adley says, my last name is Spencer and I'm a Pisces. Well, welcome, uh, Adley, uh, Spencer. Uh, another, from one Spencer to another, a first name Spencer to a last name Spencer. So welcome to the chat and uh, hope that we'll provide some clarity and insight for you today. Devin Malone is here. It says, Happy Venus Day, Spencer. Happy Venus Day to you, Devin. Hope you're doing well out there in the west coast of the United States. Um, it's always nice to see your face here in the chat. Okay. 
Yes, Stephen is helping with essential oils. There you go. <laughs> I'll get those. I'll get it out of my mouth today. Uh, we're just kind of navigating the waters of a, of a full moon in Leo today and trying to uh, make sure that we get all of our comments and questions and all of that from our brain to our mouth clearly, which sometimes it can be a, a, a there's a little ways to navigate sometimes with that. Okay, friends. Let's take a look at the astrology that we're going through here. So big picture thoughts. Oftentimes you'll see a, uh, an overview here. When we're looking at astrology, we can look at it through multiple lenses. We can take a 30,000 foot viewpoint of the astrology itself, and then we can get granular into the kind of the day-to-day -day experience. So some of the things that we're going to be experiencing over February, we have a number of planets moving through the first decade of Aquarius, where we saw the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction uh, in late 2020. So it's a very important degree for the, the ushering in of what many astrologers are calling the air age. Uh, traditional astrologers move a little bit away from the, the age of Aquarius type of lingo and talk more about the Saturn and Jupiter conjunctions that happen roughly once every 20 years. But uh, they also happen once every 200 to 250 degree years in a similar element. And we're going to be seeing those conjunctions in, with Saturn and Jupiter coming together in air signs for the next 250-ish years. So we're, we're dealing with a new type of consciousness with humanity and the types of uh, things that we ag agree to structure our societies around. And this month we have a number of planets, Venus, Mars, Pluto especially is going to be hanging out in those early degrees of Aquarius, and we will try to break that down for you here as well. Um, we have a number of planets going through the bending of the nodes, where we're seeing uh, a planet squaring the north and south node of the moon. These are really important turning points for that particular planet, but also for the topics that that planet rules. So if like we have, for example, Venus at the bending of the nodes, we're also going to see the Taurus and Libra topics in your specific natal chart activated with that. Like, and we're going to be moving towards more personal sovereignty and independence as we move away from the South Node in Libra and move towards the North Node in Aries. We also have a number of planets moving into different signs, and we'll go over that in a second. We have a, an interesting void of course moon, a Hellenistic void of course moon this month as well. And then finally, at the end of the month, we have a really big stellium stack up in the first 10 degrees of Pisces with a Mercury Kazemi and a Saturn Kazemi roughly on the same day <laughs> within a few hours. So Sun, Mercury, and Saturn all coming together with, within a, a few degrees of each other, really actually the same degree, nine degrees of Pisces. So we'll break that down as well. So couple dates for you to think about before we get into the day-to-day. The -day. So the different lunation phases we have, which are basically phases of the moon, uh, we have a last quarter moon on the 2nd of February at 13 degrees of Scorpio. So that's going to be the, the waning moon squaring the Aquarius sun. We'll break that down. Uh, we have a new moon at, on February 9th at 20 degrees of Aquarius. So a, a potential point where we are revisiting something, maybe growing frustrated with the situation, but bringing the pieces back together and getting some objectivity so we can finally move on and leave something behind. This is where we're coming down off of our fixed position and our fixed belief system so that we can move forward with whatever needs to be 
uh, done in the current moment rather than basing all of our actions on our past or on our history. On the 16th of February, we have a first quarter moon, a waxing first quarter moon at 27 degrees of Taurus. So this is where we're going to see that Aquarius sun squaring the moon in Taurus over a few decans that are going to be related to remediating old mistakes potentially uh, to evaluate how our material processes have played out in the past and also how we might be able to fix them or do better moving forward. There's also some challenges with that third decan of Taurus where we are potentially being humbled in the face of nature. So there might be some natural things out that might be out of our, our out of our hands that we may have to to work through during that period as well. And then finally we have a full moon on the 24th of February at 5 degrees of Virgo. So this is where we have the Pisces sun uh, opposing the Virgo moon. And this one's going to be very close to that stack up that I was talking about with the sun, Mercury, and Saturn all in Pisces. So there might be some fuzzy communications around that full moon. Uh, we, we have to really make sure we're double checking all the details. It's really a great time not to get attached to the how and really get clear about your why. Uh, we may have to be flexible with the process and we may have to move through uh, not not knowing all the details and, and doing things in a way where we're having to surrender to the process. So those are our lunations for February. The ingresses that we have for February, and ingress is a fancy word for a planet moving into a new sign. And these are really important moments, especially for Hellenistic astrologers, because the planet is the host of a number of other houses. So when we have a planet moving into a new condition, it can change a lot of things. It can change how effective that planet is in providing resources for various topics in our life. And it can just give us a whole new way of thinking and seeing and, and being in the world. So the ingresses that we have for February, we have Mercury moving into Aquarius on February the 5th, moving out of Capricorn and into Aquarius. Many planets moving into Aquarius are going to probably have us thinking about how we move on from situations that are no longer tenable in a material sense. We were dealing with the fallout with the sun conjoining Pluto in the final degrees of Capricorn, which could have revealed some corruption in some of our bureaucratic systems. And that might lead us to go off into the unknown, into exile, into a refugee type of situation. So we might be thinking outside the box and trying to embrace freedom by releasing some of our material attachments potentially into February. So on the 13th of February, Mars is going to follow Mercury into Aquarius. And keep in mind as well, as each of these planets moves into Aquarius, they're going to immediately conjoin Pluto. So we're going to have a lot of revelation of things that have been buried beneath the surface, especially when it relates to the, the ideals that, that bind our society together, which I think is a very Aquarian uh, theme. We've also seen a lot of things in the news recently about uh, the, the challenges of social media and tech and things of that nature. And Pluto is going to reveal some of those challenges as well. I saw recently an article about uh, a law in in Florida about limiting social media for for kids and teenagers under the age of 16. Um, I have some mixed feelings about that. I, I on one hand, I I completely understand uh, 
you know, maybe giving kids a chance to become who they're going to become uh, without necessarily having to be victims of the algorithm. At the same time, there could also be challenges with limiting information, which is also an Aquarian theme where sometimes what, uh, and this is something I learned from Joy Usher in her great book, A Tiny Universe, but sometimes Aquarius, uh, Saturn and Aquarius will, will only allow a certain stream of information and will try to cast into shadow any other viewpoints. So there's, there's danger involved in that too, and we're not going to, we're not going to be able to completely solve all of the challenges of Pluto and Aquarius in one one live stream. But these are themes that are going to start coming up that we're going to have to start reckoning with as a community. On the 16th of February, Venus is going to move into Aquarius as well. So as we're going to see the succession of planets, Mercury, Mars, and Venus all moving into Aquarius and all conjoining Pluto. So on the 5th with Mercury, take a look at the the not only the Aquarius topic in your life, but also the Gemini and uh Virgo topic in your life that could be due for a renovation. Uh, when Mars moves into Aquarius, take a look at the Aries and the Scorpio topics in your life. And that could also be going through the same sort of challenge. And then finally, when Venus moves into Aquarius, take a look at Taurus and Libra, because th those are the, the houses that those particular planets are hosting. On the 18th of February, the sun's going to move into Pisces. So we're going to shift our energy from a Saturn-ruled sign to a Jupiter-ruled sign. I think that might bring us somewhat of an, an improvement in the solar condition, especially because the sun is moving out of its exile in uh, Aquarius and into a sign where it will be able to witness its host, Jupiter, via sextile, rather than being an aversion or not being able to have an open line of communication with its host Saturn while the Sun was in Aquarius and Saturn was in Pisces. So we'll see the Sun coming back to a sign where it's able to witness its host. And that's usually a sign that the planet's going to get more of what it needs. So the Leo areas of our, our life might be uh, helped out a little bit by that and, and the Pisces area of our life with the Sun, the, the Vitality Bringer moving through there. And finally, on the 23rd of February, Mercury is going to be moving into Pisces, which unfortunately is a challenging spot for that planet. It is said to be both in exile and in fall, two um, detrimented positions and conditions in Hellenistic astrology. doesn't mean that we can't do mercurial things. It just means that it may be a little bit more challenging to do things in the way that Mercury normally would work. Uh, Mercury likes to differentiate things into categories, likes to ask clear questions and gather data and organize things. When Mercury is in Pisces, we may be uh, merging things together that need to be differentiated. We may be working with figurative language and metaphor rather than seeing things literally. And that can be good for specific applications, especially things like poetry, like uh, creativity. But it may lead to some challenges when we're having to think slightly more linear, in a more linear fashion where we have to be on time for an appointment, where we have to organize our taxes or something like that. Those th types of activities could be challenged with Mercury in Pisces. So those are our ingresses. Uh, solar phases for February. Um, a couple things that are, I think are really important to keep, keep in mind when we're looking at an overview with astrology. Um, solar phase can constitute when a planet is conjoining the sun 
when it's going under the beams or emerging from outside of the beams. All of those are very important in Hellenistic astrology for moments and omens that are speaking. They are oracular moments. So on the 6th of February, we have Mercury going under the sun's beams at two degrees of Aquarius. So this is like a planet that is, quote-unquote, taking to its sickbed to eventually be renewed in the heart of the sun. But it can be a moment where we see something where we're seeing Mercury or Hermes either going into the underworld or going behind the scenes, or in this case, when Mercury is direct, maybe visiting Olympus uh, to be able to bring some idea down from the collective and and hopefully infuse it into our sense of solar purpose when it comes together with the sun in Pisces. Uh, on the 12th of February, Saturn goes under the sun be sun's beams at 7 degrees of Pisces. And this is a moment that I often find very enlightening for the collective. Uh, we've seen a lot of really important events happen with Saturn going under the sun's beams. And usually what that means... Uh, with a standardization of a 15 degree arc away and i'll show you this when we get into the daily parts of this in, in more depth but the 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 gist of it is that there is an arc of separation between saturn and the sun that allows the planet to be visible or invisible so when saturn goes under the beams of the sun we can't see it at sunrise or sunset anymore because the sun's beams are blocking it out and when we see Saturn going through the under the beams type of condition, oftentimes a lot of the structures of our society start to break down. We had a moment in uh, 2020 where Saturn was going under the sun's beams, and that was coinciding with the, the events of January 6th in the United States, where we saw um, people storming the Capitol and the breakdown of structure. And eventually we had a Kazemi where we had a new a new Congress and a new um, a new regime taking over. And then we saw some of the fallout of that moment with Saturn going under the beams when Saturn emerged from the beams and there were uh, there were some there were lawsuits and like things like that filed uh, because of the actions of those folks on that day. So this could be something where we're seeing maybe a breakdown of some of our structures potentially with Saturn going under the beams. I think it's an important moment that we often don't talk about enough. On the 28th, which is a very important day in February, we have Mercury conjoining the sun. That's, that's what we call our Mercury-Kazemi moment at nine degrees of Pisces. In addition, Mercury will also be conjoining Saturn and the sun will be conjoining Saturn the same day. So, so we have Mercury, the sun, and Saturn all coming together at nine degrees of Pisces on the 28th of February. So. This could be a really important moment where a lot of different parts of our lives and a lot of different parts of the collective are coming together um, for a specific purpose or for to be infused with the energy of the sun. When we have those Kazemi moments, that planet is said to be renewed in the heart of the sun, where all of the, the past significations of the previous cycle are burned away like, like dross, and it's able to be infused with a new sense of purpose. So I've got that one really starred and underlined and marked as far as something where we should really be paying attention to the types of events we're experiencing and the types of messages that we're receiving from the collective and in the news as well. So those are our solar phases for the month. And then finally, in our overview, we have the moon out of bounds and void of course planets as well. 
So in this month, we have only the moon making out-of-bounds movements and one Hellenistic void, of course. So the moon will be out of bounds from February 5th to February 8th, and then again from February 16th to the 21st. And out of bounds basically means that the, the planet is outside of the normal path that the sun would take during the course of a solar year, the, the distance away from the ecliptic, above or below the ecliptic. Uh, and, and it really makes the planet function a little bit outside the mainstream. With, with the moon, we could be feeling extra emotional. We could be pushing our bodies to its limits. And it, I find it helpful to understand when those periods are coming and going. And then finally, the moon is going to be void of course uh, from the 24th of February to the 27th when it is going to make a trine to Jupiter at 10 degrees of Virgo. And then it is going to be void of course for like three days. And then finally end that void of course when it makes another trine to Mars in Aquarius uh, at 11 degrees of Libra. So that's a period of time where the planet, or the moon in particular, is not making any aspect to a traditional planet within 30 degrees, and that can cross sign boundaries. And that was said to be a time where, you know, it was a wanderer. It was something where things started during that period of time at a very little chance of sticking. Um, it's just, a, I think it's a good time to reflect during Hellenistic void of course moons, which is a is a condition that's much more rare than we see with the modern definition of Hellenistic, uh, w uh, the modern definition of void of course, which is which doesn't res it doesn't respect that sign boundary that I was talking crossing over sign boundaries. Those happen once every few days, but this one is much more rare. It usually happens once every few months potentially. Um, it's a good time to just clear out the clutter. I I've used these Hellenistic voids to uh, clean out my basement. Like, maybe I'll use this one to clean out my attic. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just a good time to get rid of stuff and to clear the decks for what's to, what's to come. And that void, of course, is going to, of course, uh, be a prerequisite to that very important day on the 28th where we see Saturn, the Sun, and Mercury all coming together. So clearing the decks before that, that new start, you know, burning away the dross. Okay, that's our overview. And we are going to, of course, look at an I Ching and an animal today as well. I'm just going to check in in the chat here and see uh, what's going on here. Just uh, welcoming some more friends. Robin is here. Says, hey, Spencer. Robin here from Healdsburg, California. Stoked for February. The end of January hasn't been so great. Also looking forward to Emolk. Yes, Emolk. February 1st, one of the cross holidays where we're starting to feel the stirrings underneath the ground. It's associated with the, the, the pregnant ewes in pagan culture and like so we're, we're, we have this kind of energy beginning at Emolk where we're really looking forward to the spring. Uh, we're, we're feeling the first stirrings of spring so thank you for for um, highlighting that for me here Robin. Okay Stephen says yay sounds great so far Mercury return in February nice that'll be fun Stephen. Um, yeah I, I think February is going to be okay there, there might just we just really need to be clear about our expectations and really double check all of our information. Um, we might be having to learn some new technological things in our life and having to deal with some challenges around that. I, I've been speaking to my father recently, who recently retired, congratulations dad, who's been learning a lot of new like photography techniques and photo editing stuff and been trying to help walk him through the, the technology part of it. Um, which can be a slow process when you're learning new things, but we just have to have patience and 
try to ex expand our skill sets. Devin says almost every house topic is going to be touched by Pluto before the end of February. Absolutely, friend. Um, we're, we are going to be going through a lot of revelation of things that we've maybe repressed, especially when it comes to technological advances. Um, I really do. I've started to see more and more chatter in the news and in the collective surrounding the dangers of, of social media, of the Internet. We already have a general idea that some of these things can be pretty detrimental to our mental and emotional health. And we're seeing some of the fallout uh, begin with that. There are some beautiful things that, that the Internet has brought us and that social media has brought us. Uh, we are here today discussing over these fiber optic cables and wires, which is awesome that we're able to be brought together. But we've lost a lot as well. We've lost our a lot of our ability to focus. We've lost some of our, I think we've lost some of our free will because some of these programs are set up to to consume our attention and to keep us addicted to the, their platforms. And these are one of the things that we've seen with a lot of lawsuits where they were suing, basically saying, you know, you have been exploiting children and trying to keep their attention and, and trying to manipulate them through advertising and things of that nature. So we're going to have to reckon with some of those things as, as we see Pluto moving through Aquarius. Susanna is here says, hi from Finland. How you doing, Susanna? Nice to see you, friend. Hope you're doing well out there in Scandinavia. I've uh, been kind of doing some research into indigenous cultures of the world. And I wonder if you have any ancestry or experience with the, I believe it's pronounced the Sami culture, uh, the reindeer herders, uh, which are some of the indigenous folks of Scandinavia, Norway in particular, but I wonder if there's folks like that in Finland as well. Um, you'll have to let me know. That's pretty cool. I would, I would love to learn more about that culture, seeing as I have some Scandinavian ancestry and in Norway in particular. I'm part of the, uh, the Thorsons that come down from that lineage as well. Okay. Uh, ben Odell is here. says, I keep seeing Pluto as a beautiful being flouncing a white, wide skirt type thing around them and saying, next, with a knowing smile. Um, okay, that's an interesting image around that. Uh, I tend to see Pluto as a, <laughs> as, a, as a lord of the underworld who is kind of like brooding and erupting things, but we, we all have ways we can view these planets, and there is no one way to to consume an archetype or to experience an archetype. So if Pluto is bringing, if the change that Pluto is bringing you is coming and dancing in a wide skirt, that's awesome. I mean, that's uh, that's something I hope I'll be able to embrace moving forward. Um, let's see. Okay. April's here. It says, hey y'all, April from Columbia, South Carolina. It's 77 degrees here, but earlier in the week it was 16 degrees. Oh my goodness. So all of you have been going through this wild swing of temperature down there. It's That sounds like a pretty challenging, um, especially if you're not used to those super cold temperatures. We've been having just a lot of rain and muck recently here. Um, I haven't been getting in my, my walks as much as I would like this week, and I'm due for a long, a long walk out in nature. It's been a long week. I've had a lot of uh, a lot of work this week, which I'm grateful for. But at the end of the day, sometimes when we are 
uh, stuck inside a little bit too much and we're forced to use our good concentration muscles all week, sometimes you just want to space out in, in nature and, and go for a walk in the woods. And hopefully that's coming for me this weekend. Yeah, Mr. Hindsight says, VOC for me is nothing will come of it. That's Yeah, I think that that's a good good way of looking at the void, of course. Like I said, I, I try to not schedule anything super important during those periods of time. Um, it, it is very difficult if you are scheduling with the modern interpretation of void, of course, then you're just not going to be doing anything every two days. <laughs> like, it's very hard to do that. So I really kind of stick to the Hellenistic definition, which is, you know, for a couple days every few months. And again, I really try to like use that as a as a time for releasing things that are no longer serving me. Uh, Devin says, I see VOC Luna is doing her own thing, taking care of lunar business. Absolutely. I agree with that. Katie's, uh, Devin says, Katie's been making cheese for Emo. Good. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. I love, love seeing how everyone's celebrating these, these interesting cross holidays around the world. Very cool. Uh, Alish is here. Nice to see you. Alish, uh, uh, Bineth Emok, Lith Emok, blessings all. Very cool. Very cool. Um, you have to tell me, uh, where you're joining us for, from Alish. Uh, and which language we're speaking there. Uh, I'm sure that that is maybe, uh, is it a, a Gaelic um, phrase? Uh, but yes, I, I love it. Uh, Devin says, did you see the federal lawsuit against Meta? Yes, that is another great point that you're bringing up. Um, and I was referring to that when we were talking about all of the planets uh, hitting Pluto in Aquarius, where we, there is a, a large lawsuit. I believe it's California that is suing Meta for manipulating young people and be and knowingly uh, that they knowingly were manipulating them and it, and that it was detrimental to to young people's mental health. So again, reckoning for our use of this technology, and I think on some level technology is not is not evil. Okay, like this is what we have to learn about our tools that we use. Just like a knife can be used to, to chop up some vegetables to cook a meal, it can be used to, to hurt people. Same thing with our technological advances. We can use this to connect with people and we can use it to divide and manipulate people. So it's all about how we choose to use these things. And often what I've found is that the technology advances faster than our ethics do. So this is why I'm, I am a notorious late adapter. Uh, to new technologies because I, I want to see what the the ethical value of that tech, new technology is before I completely adopt it into my life. And I think that, that that might benefit a lot of us is just kind of slowing down, not diving headfirst into something before we truly understand its impact on us. Luna Storms 23 says, hello there, hello there, unicorn friend. I hope that you're doing well there, uh, wherever you are joining us from today. I love that little avatar there, your purple unicorn. Susanna says, yes, we have Sami people in northern Finland. Very cool. Yes, I'll have to visit someday. And I'll to, uh, I would be very curious to learn more about, about that culture and, and maybe maybe the roots of some of, um, I don't know, some of the my, my own ancestors potentially that, that were from that area. Tarya says, my daughter's teacher was a Sami people. Cool. Yeah, we have another. We have a really big Finnish uh, contingent here in our community. So Tarya is from Finland as well. It's very cool. Um, yeah, the, the book I've been reading, Sand Talk by Tyson Yunkaporta, mentions them and talks about 
changing our definition of indigenous to move a little bit away from basing it on our, our skin color because there are indigenous people of all shapes and sizes and colors in the world, including the, the Sami people, which are which maybe lack more melanin than some of the other indigenous folks around the world. So, and I think that's important because that there is we we are experiencing oppression of indigenous people in in various parts of the world, um, and I think that we should be aware of the the dangers of of colonialism more than anything else. I think that's something to really to examine when we're looking at these issues. Alicia says, from Dublin, Ireland, and yes, Gaelic. All right, nice. I was right. <laughs> I got it. Okay, and you got the pronunciation. Ban iha imo cleef. Oh, good. I love that. Love being able to pronounce these things correctly. Um, and I'm, I hope I'm, I'm pronouncing imok uh, with the silent B correctly as well. Devin says, Alicia, do you have a space where you share more about the holidays? We've been piecing together what we can in our house. Yeah, please give us more uh, directions to look in for celebrating some of those cross-holidays, friend, especially for someone who's living in that community and maybe is connecting with that, that land as well. This is, an, this is another, uh, the Celts in, in Ireland is another uh, indigenous peoples that we were, is, are mentioned in that book as well that have suffered from some of the, the challenges of colonialism as well. Alicia says, we put some emphasis on the we. Okay, so imbok, maybe there, there's, there's a subtlety to it that I'm sure that I would have to practice for sure. Okay. All right, friends. Well, amazing comments. Again, really grateful and thankful for all of you who have been contributing to this community each and every week. Uh, if you're new here, do me a huge favor. Um, please like and subscribe. Uh, it does me a huge service to be able to take just a few minutes and like the video. It helps us with the, the algorithmic gods that we are sadly somewhat beholden to in this time frame in, in history. Uh, and if you're new to the channel, please subscribe. We do this these lives every, usually every Friday around 1 o'clock Eastern Time. And uh, we have a really intelligent community. We like to go into, into a lot of detail in the astrological forecast. Uh, maybe more so than you've seen in other places, and that takes a little bit longer. So this is what I would consider a slow burn. But I know that there is an, an astrologer for everyone out there, and uh, I'm just really grateful for the people who continue to come and contribute and are patient with the process and the slower unfolding. Okay, friends, I think it's time for a stretch break. This is the other thing that I have been trying to incorporate into uh what I do here on the channel. So do yourself a favor. If you are listening and if you've been sitting, stretch out with me. Uh, we sit so much in our modern times. We sit in front of our computers and our screens, whether we're indoors or, what, or whatnot. It's nice to be able to stretch out your body to get your spine cracked out like that. <laughs> Shake it out, get your hips moving. And this is a great way to get some blood flowing, not only to your limbs and to your extremities. Remember Aquarius uh, not only rules the ankles, but also circulation. So we have to be very careful during Aquarius season that we're allowing circulation and the blood flow to all of those places. And this can help us with our thinking, thinking as well, where our brains can be much more effective if we have blood flowing where it needs to go. Make sure you stay hydrated too, friends. 
Okay, so let's dive in. So the first thing I would like to do is I would like to bring up the decans of Aquarius. What I'm going to show you is the time period when the Sun is going to be in Aquarius 2. So if you're unfamiliar with this technique, each 30 degree sign, like Aquarius, is divided, further divided into 10 degree decanic sections that each have their own esoterica associated with them. They each have their own planetary rulers. They each have a tarot card from the minor arcana associated with them. They also have a daimon or a spirit that can give us additional insight, not only, not only into our own planetary placements, but the types of things we're going to be experiencing as a collective. So when the sun is moving through a particular decan, the sun is, in my opinion, a, a giant spotlight. It's saying this is going to be something that's important to the collective. Here is how we may be experiencing vitality. Here is something where our collective minds may be drawn to during this period of time. So Aquarius 2 shows in the tarot card, the Six of Swords, a moving on from one particular state to another, one shore to another. We're seeing someone being ferried across a river, a lake, uh, an ocean. Uh, and it, this, this, the themes of this Deccan are about communication, Mercury, it's a Mercury-ruled Deccan, between uh, worlds, between heaven and earth, as Austin Coppett calls the card, uh, or the, the Deccan, excuse me, and in between haves and have-nots, in between the center and the peripheral. Uh, it also suggests a moving on. I, I often think of refugees with this particular Deccan. This is something where we could be uh, seeing people moving from one, one state, one country, one area to another. Uh, it's a bridge-building place. In the Kabbalistic Tree of Life, which is another lens we can look at the Deccans through, uh, this Deccan is associated with Tiferet, which is a, another solar Deccan. And Tiferet is all about balance in the center of the tree. So oftentimes these middle Deccans of fixed signs represent a balance point. Okay, So themes we could be dealing with during this period of time. Building bridges between worlds navigating liminal spaces, Tiferet and Yetzira, which is intellectual reaching towards beauty. Beauty is another theme of Tiferet, balance and beauty. I like to think of that, that particular Sephira. Harmonizing the ideal and the practical, okay? Intellectual commerce and exchange of ideas, but also potentially a fear of change. This is one of the most fixed decans in the, the wheel. The middle decans of a fixed sign, we could get really stuck in our intellectual ideas and this the imagery in this is encouraging us to to potentially move on to something new there is a diamond or spirit in this deck and called phobos which was the 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 instinct of soldiers to retreat and to scatter from battle through fear so we may be f afraid of moving on to our new experience but this is encouraging us to have courage and to that we might be able to find a better situation by moving on and moving forward. Okay, so questions for reflection during this period of time, which is 
the February 1st through February the 9th. And, and again, I will go through the individual aspects and show you the chart of that as well. Uh, what rivers do you need to cross? Okay, and those rivers are metaphorical rivers. I mean, could be physical rivers, but which, what state in your life are you needing to move on from one, one shore to another? How can you safely move from point A to point B? Is there a guide that you can summon? That's interesting because in a lot of the Aquarian myths, a lot of them are flood myths where, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the deity of the time saw that humanity was corrupt and was like, I need to start over <laughs> and just sends a flood to wipe everything out and, and wash it clean, basically. And you'll see repeated in those stories multiple over multiple cultures, um, a, a specific chosen person who builds a boat or had, had the foresight to build a boat, okay, an Aquarian theme, and then had to go about the, the, the responsibility of like repopulating the earth. And oftentimes there is a, a guide that helps that person and points the way, or there is someone ferrying someone in those stories from one shore to the other, like like in the like uh, ch I believe it's pronounced Charon, or uh, I don't. It's not Chiron. It's Charon, the 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 guide of souls to the underworld, who the, the fairy of the dead that you'd have to give a token to be able to enter the underworld. This is also I feel like an Aquarian story. Um, so, is there a guide you can summon? What preparations need to be made for a fresh start? How can you organize your journey and overcome your fear of change? And then finally, how can you be in the world but not of it? One of the things that Aquarius encourages is objectivity. That so when we are able to rise above our lives in a 30,000 foot viewpoint, that can, that can give us this, the, the perspective that we need to understand how all of the different pieces of our lives fit together. And when we can do that, that can help us prioritize the the most efficient way to get from one shore to another oftentimes we're just we're confused about how the pieces of our lives fit together and we could be grinding in one direction and if we took a step back from our life or two steps back or 10 or 30 or 30,000 we would be able to see that maybe there's a different unique unorthodox way to approach a problem that's been vexing us for some time so those are the types of things we're going to see with the sun moving through the second decan of Aquarius. Okay. So what we'll do now is we'll bring up the chart and we'll take you through that decan of Aquarius uh, and show you some of the individual aspects that we may be going through. Okay, I'm just checking in with the chat before I begin with that. We've got some really nice conversations about emok or imbok. <laughs> I'm trying to see if I can get it right. Uh, I've, there are certain sounds that American English speakers just cannot make. You know, if you're not raised in a certain, like I can't roll my R's, for example. And that may not, not be specific to American English speakers. It may be just me, but there are probably certain sounds in in Gaelic and, and Welsh that are difficult to make as well. But I love the fact that we're sharing all of our insights and that we're connecting uh, across many shores. That's the one thing that I really, really enjoy about this channel in particular is just being able to see all the, the international friends and being able to connect with people from all corners of the globe. 
Okay, let's look at February 1st and 2nd. So a couple things in the first couple days of February. So we're going to be looking at, I'm just gonna go over to the, the 2nd of February and just show you the, the formation of the last quarter moon. So we're starting off the month where the moon is gonna be beginning to move through Scorpio. We are seeing a square forming between the sun and the moon. In this case, it's the waning moon, which we call the last quarter moon, where we're starting to release and let go of things that, that aren't serving us from the previous cycle. We may be experiencing an existential crisis or a crisis of the mind where something just becomes untenable and we're starting to let things go. Now, in this case, and I'm gonna move the chart maybe a little bit forward, um, you can see that get rid of some of that. We'll go closer to the exact square here. Okay, there we go. So at 13 degrees of Scorpio, the, the moon is going to be in the second decan of Scorpio, and the sun is in the second decan of Aquarius. So some of those two energies are at odds with one another. We just went into depth to describe the, the solar energy during this period of time. And remember, the sun is in its exile. This is a place where the sun is not in its favorite place. The sun likes to be a central point of light, of vitality. And the, the light in the northern hemisphere is weak during this time of the year. It, it, there is a more of a collective type of consciousness. It's, there's a focus on the ideals that serve the masses rather than just individuals. And this is why the sun being in its opposite sign of Aquarius to its host uh, host sign Leo uh, is a tough place for it sometimes. Um, so we know that we're, our collective instincts and impulses may be focused on moving on and objectivity, the collective uh, moving from one shore to another, communication between the haves and the have-nots, the center and the peripheral. Now the second decan of, of Scorpio, first of all, the moon is in its fall in Scorpio, which is a tough place for the moon. So here we have both the lights, the sun and the moon, in what is called detrimented positions, positions that they're not super comfortable with. Doesn't mean we that they're bad or that they're can't we can't do solar or lunar things if you have these in your natal chart. This is a mistake we often make is it's like, oh, my planets are messed up or whatever. And yes, they will bring you challenges, but we, you may have to, to take unorthodox uh, paths to, to, to utilize those energies. When the moon's in the second decan of Scorpio, we have a nostalgia about the past. We have the six of cups type of energy where we are revisiting uh, maybe a previous relationship where we're under trying to understand our circuits of exchange, our mer the way we merge emotionally with other people that are deeply bonded and merged. So this is something where we're we're, we're have, feeling a conflict between a deeply merged relationship and and the objectivity necessary, the, the distance and freedom necessary to move forward in our lives. So whenever we have the moon waning yeah, with this combination here we can see potentially that we may have to dissolve an emotional union of some sort to be able to move more towards 
freedom and independence. So this is a great opportunity to reduce codependence on some level, to get really clear about y the relationships that you're in and if they're if they are serving you. Now this doesn't mean that every relationship that is codependent or is merged has to end. I do think it means that you can make some changes within that relationship so that everyone feels more supported within the relationship towards their own individuality. So those are, this is something to consider as we, we go through the beginning of the month. And I'm seeing some good comments I want to highlight here. Laura here says, hello, Spencer from Vancouver, Washington. I had a dream last weekend as Pluto entered Aquarius about the future technology to generate energy from the magnetic center of the Earth using quantum mechanics. Awesome. Um, that's exciting. Uh, you know, Pluto's going to bring us changes. And it is going to reveal some of the, the, the dark side of our technology, but it may also bring us extraordinary, extraordinary advances. Um, it could be a, a great leveler of the playing field. And I think nothing would level the playing field more than energy that was more available to more people on the earth that was cleaner, that was not destroying our ecosystems and was actually helping us to have, you know, have everybody in the world have the type of abundance and lifestyle that, that would be in harmony with nature rather than opposed to it. So that's pretty cool. Laura, I'm, I'm excited and I hope that that plays out. Devin says, the Scorpio moon is a deep emotion and feeling, says a natal Scorpio moon with Mars. Yeah, again, like there are, there are ways to navigate uh, a, a quote-unquote fallen moon. And oftentimes a planet that is in its fall is said to be at the bottom of the wheel of fortune and there's nowhere to go from the bottom than up. So sometimes you'll see someone who has a moon or some planet in its fall having to start with humble circumstances that through much of their own efforts and courage and tenacity are able to create some of the things that that planet would normally enjoy and and uh, but but through their own hard work and efforts you know so this could be where the nurturing that a Scorpio or a Capricorn moon that would maybe come more naturally to someone who may have cancer a cancer or a Taurus moon uh, they may have to create that for themselves if you have the moon in Scorpio or Capricorn. And you may have to, to come into alignment with almost a self-nurturing on some level as well. So again, we can't make blanket negative meme-worthy statements about astrology. I, I really dislike a astrological meme accounts. Some of them are funny and I can laugh at them, but I think that it... it <sighs> it reduces a very complex system into a joke. And, and to me, astrology is not a joke. This is something that's very serious. And that joke can really shift someone's, a particular person's self-image. And I think that that's very dangerous to do to somebody. And that's why I try to practice as much compassion as I can, especially for folks that have quote-unquote debilitated planets in their chart because sometimes those folks are the ones that have gone through a lot of trauma but have created the strongest character from it so you know try not to look over your shoulder when it comes to charts and placements and Devin says yes that's a great Pluto and Aquarius dream I agree Devin I am with you on that okay 
So we are going through the sun in Aquarius too. We've talked a little bit about the last quarter moon. The other thing that's going on in this particular uh, day is we're going to have Mercury making a sextile to Neptune. So we have Mercury in the final degrees of Capricorn before its ingress into Aquarius and then subsequently its connection with Pluto. Uh, so this could be a time to really get clear about your responsibilities. Uh, ask good questions about your how you organize the bureaucratic systems in your life. How are you managing your resources? How are you managing the 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 situations that require you to step up and and be uh, a parental figure or an authority figure in your life? Um, all of these things could be happening at the beginning of the month. Uh, it's very important with the connection with Neptune that you don't that you have clear thinking around that that you don't. Uh, fall into the trap of, of martyrdom is something that's challenging with, with Neptune, especially in the third decan of Pisces. We can sometimes get caught up in some of the stories and repetitive narratives in our life, and that can lead us to having emotional swings that could be very challenging to manage. Uh, we can go to the highest highs and the lowest lows with, with the third decan of Pisces, and we have to maintain our hope during that period of time. So so be clear about your responsibilities at the beginning of the month and try to, to potentially reduce your dependence on an emotional relationship that might be limiting your freedom. Okay, we get to the fifth. Let's take a look at the fifth. So when we get to the fifth here, here's February 5th. I'm going to go to noon. I think that would be an easier way to look through this. So here's February 5th. And February 5th, we see our good friend Mercury, Hermes, also known as Hermes, the artist formerly known as Hermes, uh, ingressing into Aquarius. Um, it is very, very close to going under the sun's beams as well, which will happen the day after. The other thing to think about in this, I don't know, three, two to three day period is that Venus will be very close to the bending of the notes. So I'm going to kind of look at these things in, in tandem. I think that one of the things that we do that is somewhat detrimental, that I've, I'm guilty of this too, uh, is try to look at every individual aspect with without the context of the other positions that are going on around it. Um, and this is my attempt as a Jupiter Virgo person to see the bigger picture. <laughs> like, okay, so a couple things. So Mercury is moving into Aquarius and Venus is subsequently going to be at the bending of the notes. So I do feel that this is an important moment, especially not only for mercurial significations, but for Venusian ones as well. So February 5th and 6th, Mercury is moving into the decan of Aquarius that is associated with the Five of Swords, where we see a, a, a con what they call conflict and defeat, where some there's something that has happened where we might see one person smugly as the victor and and two other people going off into the frontier leaving something behind 
So this Deccan gives us an awareness of injustices, social injustices. There's a spirit or daimon called Daiki associated with that Deccan. So our minds, Mercury, maybe become more aware of some injustices and especially related to the the laws and ideals that bind us together as a community and furthermore we are going to see mercury coming together with pluto right at that ingress point okay so not only are we going to be aware of an injustice but we might be aware of it in a in a volcanic fashion we might be aware of it with something bubbling up from underneath the surface now, we talked about this earlier with some of the lawsuits with, with, uh, and laws that are proposed around social media. To me, Pluto in Aquarius revealing some of the, the underlying challenges is very Plutonic. That, that to me is Pluto saying, this has been there. This corruption has been growing and has been hidden for a period of time. Now it is time for it to be revealed and to be transformed and to be dealt with. Sometimes we can see a concentration of that energy before we take the, the, the actions necessary to change that. So Mercury could be having us asking those questions and casting doubt on some of those, those things that, that may have been repressed in the past. To me, Mercury is a, is a question asker. It is, according to Robert Schmidt in Project Hindsight, something that casts doubt on, on something. And that, that's when, when we ask that question, we are able to come up with unique solutions. So take a look at the Gemini and Virgo area of your life and see where you might be able to ask questions about what has fallen into corruption potentially and how can you, through your objectivity and your awareness of problems potentially in the Aquarius topic of your life, okay, because they're all connected. Again, I'm, I repeat, it's a, it's a mistake to disconnect all of these things from one another. They are, they are a symphony. The planets work together in, with the music of the spheres. They don't just go off and do their own thing. They're, they are communicating with one another continuously. So look at those parts of your chart to see what we could be experiencing potentially. Devin has a nice comment here saying, I often say the five of swords victory, but at what cost? Yeah, right. Like it, it can lead us to do, to take some actions that we later might not be, might not be proud of, or that w might lead to us feeling alone and in exile ourselves. So we're either being the victim of someone doing something potentially unethical or unfair that makes us feel exiled, or we take actions that eventually will lead to the same thing. Like if we keep taking advantage of people and not treating them fairly, eventually people won't want to support us anymore. And this is where we could feel ourselves sent into exile. So I, I agree with that. Yeah, he says like a father, Devin says like a father who plays his best basketball game against his two 10-year-old sons. <laughs> Oh my goodness! I think there's definitely some some funny videos out there of of a older brother or, or a father just like rejecting the little kid's shots into the into the woods or into the stands or something. So yeah, and event here's the thing: you keep doing that, those kids aren't going to want to play anymore. You see what I'm saying? And you'll have no one to play with if you keep trying to dominate people with an unfair advantage.
Okay. The other portion of this, portion, the other portion of this, France, <laughs> is, the, is the Venus is going to be at the bending of the nodes uh, on the, the fifth and the sixth, okay? And really what that means is it's a turning point for Venus. So if we go back over to our chart and we, we take a look at Venus here, we are seeing that it's squaring the north and south node of the moon and it is directly related to both the Taurus area of your chart. Oops. Okay, here is the topic that Venus is ruling or hosting. And then also the Virgo area, I'm sorry, the Libra area of your chart. So, and there may be an event in the Capricorn topic of your particular natal chart. In this random Taurus rising chart, it's in the ninth house. So, so maybe a realization about your belief system that leads to a change in both your personal identity, Taurus, and the way that you toil Libra on the sixth house cusp, right? So Taurus was on the first, Libra on the sixth here. So you can make that same jump with your own chart. And the the questions that you may be asking yourself, if you're a Taurus rising, I'm just using one example, I can't go through all of the signs for this, but uh, you may be asking yourself how to build structures in your life that will lead to the independence necessary to give yourself more rest and solitude rather than having to grind and grind and grind and grind, okay? And so that's one example of how uh, you could be making plans and to build more structures into your life that will eventually lead to independence. So all of us, no matter our rising sign, could be experiencing uh, the ability to, to attract new architectural blueprints and new helpers, really. That second decan of Capricorn is all about working with a diverse range of people to build something ambitious. So we may be working with diverse, a diverse range of people to be able to move forward in our lives and, and bring about uh, more personal sovereignty. Okay, so Jennifer's here, nice to see you. Hello, made it, happy full moon. Happy full moon to you, Jennifer. Hope that you're doing well. We are working through the, the first uh, part of this show today with Aquarius 2 and breaking down the bending of the nodes and what that might bring for us. I've had a long week here, friends, so if I'm tripping over my words a little bit today, it's my brain has been doing a lot of detailed work. I had a, a number of clients this week, and I'm starting to get mush brain. I, you ever, you all ever experienced that? Sometimes when you when you've just been using the noggin so much and using a lot of focus and concentration, that sometimes you just get a mushy brain after a while. Um, so I'm doing my best to to get the thoughts out into the mouth, but forgive me if there's a few moments where it trips a little bit. Oh, I like this update. Jennifer says, Dad's surgery went well, bringing him home today. Good, Jennifer. So many of you who follow along with our community, I, we since we have such loyal folks that show up every week, we really start to see the unfolding of people's stories. And 
Jennifer had, uh, uh, her father had a surgery that, that she was worried about in the chat, and um, we were trying to, to look at some timing things with that in one of our Q&As, and it looks like it went well. So I'm, I'm really happy to hear that, Jennifer, and I hope that he has a speedy, speedy recovery. Okay, so that is the uh, bending of the nodes with Venus. The other thing that is happening simultaneously, and this is really going on, really around the the sixth okay is that mercury is going under the sun's beams and this is a an important moment where we see mercury within 15 degrees of the sun and as i described earlier when the planet is within 15 degrees of the sun it becomes invisible it, it literally is not able to be seen. Now, there are some very technical uh, astrologers that will say, well, the, this planet is visible until like 8 degrees or 10 degrees, and that may very well be true. Uh, symbolically, many Hellenistic astrologers uh, standardize that arc of separation to 15 degrees, including the, one of the teachers that I follow fairly religiously in Demetra George. So in her book, In Ancient the Hellenist Astrology, or Ancient Astrology and Theory and Practice, she standardizes that, that arc of separation of 15 degrees. So here we see Mercury at 2 degrees and the Sun at 17 degrees of Aquarius. Now this is Mercury going under the beams and becoming invisible. Since it is direct, as I mentioned earlier, it might be more akin to Hermes visiting Mount Olympus. And this is something that I learned from uh, Gary Caton, who's, who, whom I consider probably the Hermes expert out there, or one of the Hermes experts. He has a great book that talks about uh, the, the cycles of Mercury. And I asked him one time, because he, he, I had heard him compare Mercury going under the beams retrograde as, as Mercury entering the underworld as the guide of souls of the dead. And he compared the, the direct... Um, under the beams time to Hermes visiting Olympus. So I thought that was pretty cool. A little bit of a different energy, right? Like this is maybe where we're getting some really important idea from from the collective rather than from the depths and the inner depths of our of our experience and our past. This could be something where we're, we're getting ideas about our future, where we are seeing an idea in the collective that's important. And remember that moment when we see that 15 degree point that was called a moment of phosis by Robert Schmidt, an omen that is speaking. So pay attention to messages that you receive when Mercury is hitting the uh, the phosis moment going under the beams of the sun. Collectively, there is another fixed star at two degrees of, of Aquarius that I think is important. It's called Altair. And that is uh, in the constellation uh, Aquila which is the eagle of Zeus who carried Zeus's weapons and thunderbolts. So I think potentially this collectively could, we could see something in the news about arms dealing or something of that nature or like weapons or something like that, or a military type of experience. And I know we have a lot of situations going on in the world right now, but there could be just some important messaging that comes to us through that. And hopefully it's, it's not, destructive or things of that nature. Lord knows we've been going through enough right now, and the people of the world have been going through some really difficult times, and I hope that we're 
able to return to a place of peace. But this also is a moment for you to think very objectively. Uh, Aquarius, I think, asks us to not only see how our actions affect our individual experiences, but how we are connected to other people within our community. So you could get messages about how to connect with your community at this point as well. And then you could have a, a really important download when Mercury co comes together in Kazemi of the Sun on the 28th of February. So this is a, a point that you should connect on February 6th to the Kazemi on February 28th. Okay, let's keep going. So the next day, on the 7th, we have a really interesting set of transits that could be fortuitous. We have Venus making a trine to Uranus. Okay, that's a nice one. And, oops, that's our, that's a circle we want. Okay, uh, and then we also have, let's see here, Mars making a sextile to Neptune. Okay, so we have a sextile from Mars to Neptune and a trine from Venus to Uranus. Hopefully that's clear. Okay, so we have uh, an opportunity shortly after Venus squares the bending of the nodes to do something in a way that we have not in the past. Uh, remember Venus in the second 10 degree section of Capricorn is helping us to gather the support and resources to do the hard work necessary to build something in our life, a physical structure potentially. When it is trining Uranus in the second 10 degree section of Taurus, we are shaking up our, our normal routines. We may also have an unexpected windfall potentially. The, the second decan of Taurus is associated with the Six of Pentacles, and in that card you see a figure giving out alms to the poor, and we see, conversely, people receiving benefit from someone, a wealthy benefactor or, or a government agency or something like that. So th this could be an unexpected boost that you get from a source that you didn't necessarily see coming, or you could be unexpectedly helping someone else. So you could see it in both ways. We, we, should, we shouldn't always look to the stars to be like, what can we get? I think that that's a false way of looking at astrology and a, quite frankly, a selfish one. Oftentimes we can look at the stars and say, where's our opportunities to, to give and to contribute? And this might be one as well. Now, Mars making a sextile to Neptune. This one is fascinating to me because Mars is, is coming very close to its degree of exaltation at 28 degrees of Capricorn. So we have a very effective, efficient, powerful Mars right now in this time period, February 7th, where we are able to make long-ranging decisions, where we're able to, to uh, plan strategically for the actions that we want to take, Mars, to be able to build material security, Capricorn 3. So we just have to be careful with any type of contact with Neptune that we aren't 
making sacrifices that could put us in a difficult position later. We have to be realistic. We have to keep one foot on the ground as we dream. Neptune can also dissolve the a planet that it touches. So while we may be feeling very energetic about moving forward with our material plans, Neptune is dissolving some of the material materiality around it to help us see past the veil of illusion of the separation between spirit and matter. So I, I hope that that's a clear way of thinking about that because oftentimes we make the mistake of thinking that spirit and matter are different things. They're, they're each uh, a facet of each other or infused within one another. Um, we've started talking about uh, indigenous ways of thinking and especially we saw the the book that was recommended to us by Devin uh, a few weeks ago, Sand Talk by Tyson Yunkaporta, where they talk about the space between points and matter existing both as a, as a point of consciousness and a wave of possibilities, and them focusing much more on the, on the possibility waves. And I think Neptune helps us to see that space between matter. Uh, if I was to build on that thought, Robert Schmidt talks about Neptune as a transcendental moon, where it is associated with the hermetic ideal of the one thing versus the one mind, which we might be able to associate with Uranus. The one thing is undifferentiated matter, right? Like just like possibility. And when we put our consciousness towards it, we're able to kind of shape it and bring it into reality. And, and I think what Neptune sometimes does is it returns consciousness back to undif an, an undifferentiated state. So when you see Mars coming together with that, we might be trying to move forward in a pr very practical way, but there's another, there's another factor involved. There's another like, do your actions have meaning? That's really the thing that I think is going to be important. Not just is it going to bring you benefit, but is it going to benefit, you know, the spiritual collective as well as the physical one? Devin says, undefined matter, like fish trying to understand what water is. Yes, I love that. Great metaphor. Absolutely. Um, we're just in it. It's just a part of us. Like it's, it, it sustains us. We are it and we are in it. It's a really interesting way of looking at the world and very different from our uh, inherited uh, Cartesian utilitarianism. I'm a, I don't, if someone has an ability to sing their praises of Descartes. I, I have, I still haven't quite heard a good argument for that, that particular philosopher's worldview. But in my opinion, that dude messed up a lot of things for a lot of people, and he's kind of on my philosophical shit list <laughs> if, I, if that such a thing exists, because he he very much uh, is one of the initiators of a, a massive unsouling of the world. And I think that one of the things that would benefit us in the air age and with all of these Aquarian planets is recognizing the the ensoulment of, of all things and the consciousness of all things not and not trying to di differentiate between what is alive and what is dead, quote-unquote. Okay, so that is our Mercury, I'm sorry, Mercury going under the beams, Venus at the bending of the nodes, Venus trining Uranus, and Mars sextiling Neptune. Okay, we have one final aspect that is going to perfect 
in the second decan of Aquarius. And I will pull that up for you here. Now this is going to happen on the, the 8th of February. So here's February 8th. And we are looking at kind of a big deal here. Whoops. We've got the sun squaring Uranus. Okay. And just just like all these planets that are going to be conjoining Pluto, many of the planets are then subsequently going to be squaring Uranus afterwards. So this will be a theme that, that comes up continuously over the course of the next few weeks here. So the Sun squared Uranus at 19 degrees of Aquarius and Taurus, respectively. Um, we're dealing with two fixed, very fixed decans, uh, where the energy is very solidified, where physically we might be very solidified in Taurus, and ideally and mentally we may be very solidified in our ideals with Aquarius too. And this is fascinating to me because this aspect happens directly before a new moon. So I think that the events that will bring up, be brought up during this Sun Uranus square will help to inform our new moon in at 20 degrees of Aquarius that happens the day after, where we make a decision to begin the process of unraveling a, a, a karmic knot potentially. Okay. So this is a uh, this particular aspect could be an identity shift, where you know Uranus is a planet that that shakes us out of crystallized patterns. It has been compared to Prometheus by people like Richard Tarnas, where it is bringing us fire, to, bringing fire to humanity, bringing the light of awareness and consciousness to us. But when it's in Taurus too, it is shaking us out of crystallized patterns and routines and saying, you've, maybe you've done this a certain way your entire life, but it's time to create a new rhythm. Okay, And the sun in that decan says it's time to move on. So there's two, two factors saying this could be a great time to craft a new identity through creating new rhythms in your life. It'll help you to move on, although it could be a little bit uh, electric. It could be a little bit shaky, right? It could be a little bit shocking. Oftentimes we don't want to change. And when we have contacts, especially squares with Uranus, we change, we are going to be forced to change whether we like it or not. This could also be something unexpected happening through, through our leadership, through authority figures. The sun was often associated with authority figures in, in traditional astrology. So we might see some shocking events around that as well. Okay, so identity shifts away, uh, moving on, shocks from authority figures, lightning bolts of awareness, and keep in mind as well as this is a balsamic moon where we're trying to release something potentially, then this might be the shakeup that helps us finally release something important. Okay, so that gets us through the sun in Aquarius too, and I think this is a great opportunity for us to take a stretch break and move, uh, move around a little bit. This is a, a great opportunity to like and subscribe. So I'm going to get up and stretch my stretch my bones here. Please do me a huge favor if you haven't yet. Please like the video, subscribe if you're new. 
Uh, if you'd like to make a donation to the work that I'm doing, you can buy a super chat with a little dollar sign in the chat today on YouTube, or you can find me at buymeacoffee.com. I also am available for readings. That's a great way to support the channel. And there's 20% off my Deccans of Aquarius webinar if you are looking to learn more about some of the more detailed topics that I've been talking about today. Okay, let me take a look through the chat as I'm stretching out. Now we've got some new folks stopping in here. Mahua Mandal is here. Nice to see you, friend. I'm come joining us from Facebook. It says, sir, please tell me where I'm going and what will happen. Well, you're in the right place. This is a, an astrology broadcast, and uh, that's what we're doing for the next three, three hours <laughs> or four, three hours, I guess, usually is how long these things go. Uh, we are going into depth about where we all might be going, where we're all journeying and expecting to have some collective themes coming up. If you'd like to know, Mahua, what uh, the stars have in store for you specifically, go to my website, spencermashow.com, where you can reach out and schedule a reading, and I will look at your particular natal chart and show you how the planets might be interacting with the birth, birth chart that you were born with or the life that you were born into. Devin says, we have seen Helios square Uranus from Aquarius before. This is the first time we've seen it with Saturn in Pisces. That's a good point. That's a good point. So Saturn, of course, is going to be the host of the sun. And we look at the themes that Saturn is trying to bring us when we look at a planet that is being hosted. So in this case, in this case, we have Saturn asking us, and we'll go over this in depth when we get to the Pisces 1 part of the show, uh, but briefly, Saturn is asking us to release old narratives and to find meaning in what we do rather than just blindly going through the motions. So we may have a little bit of confusion at first about who we are and what we want, but we need to embrace that confusion and allow it to to take us on a journey to find our center and to find our lost selves. So these are all the things in the background that are going to be, you know, helping to shape these aspects is, is the host planet, as Devin is pointing out. Luna Storm 23 says, are you ready for the playoffs this weekend? <sighs> Luna, you're touching a nerve here. I'm assuming you're referring to the NFL playoffs. Yes, I am. But my favorite team, the Green Bay Packers, uh, have uh, been eliminated. They got beat by the San Francisco 49ers. I know we've got San Francisco people here, but uh, it was a little bit heartbreaking, although I'm really proud of the, the team. And they were the youngest playoff team in history and uh, made it to the second round and put up a good fight against the 49ers. I will still watch the Lions and the 49ers and the Chiefs and the, the Ravens. Um, I haven't done a huge in-depth look at the coaches' charts yet, but I, I uh, probably should that, do that pretty soon if I'm going to make a prediction. So, uh, yeah, it'll be fun. It's a nice uh, pastime, and uh, I'm excited. This is an interesting week. One of the other things that was going on here this week is uh, this was if you are a Cancerian Sun coach, you got fired this week. <laughs> and I could, uh, both the coach of the Milwaukee Bucks, who is a Cancer Sun, his name is Adrian Griffin, 
and the defensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. His name is Joe Barry or Cancer Sons and had Mars and Capricorn opposing their son. So they had a, a, a son Mars opposition and they lost their job, which you don't, you don't ever wish for that. But as a fan of both of those teams, they just really hadn't been getting the job done. So I am excited for the future with that, but um, it's a process, right? Yeah, Luna Storm says my Seahawks are gone too, as well as our great coach Pete Carroll. Yeah, a lot of interesting uh, transitions with uh, Bill Belichick in in New England, um, losing his job or go, separating, going different ways. Pete Carroll, great coach of the Seahawks, a lot of changes, a lot of movement going on. So we'll we'll try to track that as well. Okay, so friends, let's keep rolling. What do you say? So if you're just joining us, if you're joining us late, we're talking about the astrology of February 2024. We are going through each decan uh, of the sun's journey through the month. And then we're taking a big picture, Aquarian viewpoint. And then we're going to zero in with a little bit more detailed analysis as we go through each particular uh, aspect that are happening during that time period. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring the decans of Aquarius back to the, the screen here. And we will move on to the third decan of Aquarius. So here what we're seeing is a decan associated with seven of swords. Book T calls it the Lord of unstable effort. <laughs> Book of Toth calls it the Lord of futility. Austin Kavik just calls it the knot. And I, I like that name for it because he makes some very good points about revisiting a situation that may bring us frustration uh, but in order to eventually move on from it uh, so so some themes that we are experiencing with this third uh, lunar decan of Aquarius so this is the moon in a Saturn ruled sign it's a little bit of a, a challenging placement for the moon the moon is very changeable Saturn is a little likes to be a little bit more fixed and stable potentially uh, the moon's associated with light, Saturn's associated with darkness. So there's, a, there's an uncomfortability. Like when Saturn is usually requiring some kind of consistency, the moon is sort of messing with that a little bit. So some themes of Aquarius 3, who, by the way, has this diamond or spirit named Osiris. And Osiris was, of course, from Egyptian mythology, uh, a, a god who was murdered by his uh, his. I believe his wife's brother, Set, Isis, Isis's brother, Set, and was cut up into many pieces and scattered, scattered across the countryside. I almost see the pieces of Osiris being collected in this Seven of Swords card here. So Isis has to recollect those pieces to be able to uh, copulate with, with um, Osiris so that the, the new god, Horus, can be born. Eventually, she can't hold his form together forever, and he splits back up and becomes, uh, dies again, and, and then becomes the lord of the underworld. So we may be revisiting and recollecting some parts of our experience and feeling the frustration with that experience so that we can finally move on and birth something new. That, that to me, is a, a really important part of this. Aquarius 3 is also knowing when to quit, okay? Like, this... this this is directly opposed to Leo 3, where we're, we're learning how to stand our ground and protect our chosen philosophical position 
Here we have to say, you know what? This isn't a fight that's worth fighting anymore. It's time to move on. It's time to go. It's time to retire into the West like Frodo, right? He doesn't need to fight anymore. He's completed his task. So themes of releasing and untying old karmic knots, departure from a difficult situation, growing disgust and frustration. Uh, the the Sephira in the Kabbalistic Tree of Life is Netzach in, Yurak, in Yetzira. Uh, Netzach in Yetzira. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly, but knowing when to quit. This is a Venus, a Venus um, Sephira, but you know, this is something where we're having to let go of like uh, our fixed position. So disenchantment and defined discontent, embracing the unknown. So questions for your meditation and consideration. During the sun's journey through Aquarius 3, February 9th through February the 18th, what situation in your life is no longer tenable? How can you be how can you make a graceful exit what can be salvaged from the situation you see in the seven of swords someone is stealing away in the night with five swords but leaving two behind which ideas and situations do you have to just let go of and which things can you bring with you which which experiences can you bring with you which w wisdom nuggets can you bring with you uh what can be salvaged from the situation and what debts need to be paid often we're we're untangle a, a knot by paying our dues, okay? Uh, how can you use detachment to your advantage? And finally, what will be born from this liberation? So instead of focusing on what we're losing and what we are leaving behind, I often find it very helpful to see what we are being liberated from and what we are able to be moving towards. That doesn't mean we, we shouldn't um, grieve our losses. That's, that's important in Aquarius and in Scorpio in particular. But we don't want to get stuck there. We don't want to get stuck on the focus of the past and especially utilizing methods that may have helped us in challenging or traumatic situations in the past, but now aren't necessarily serving us for the challenges of the present and the future. That's super important. I think it's very easy to get stuck in doing things in a way that worked for us at one point, but now is not appropriate for the current situation in our life. Um, it's very difficult to change our ways sometimes, but it is very necessary to use the methods and the beliefs that are appropriate for the time that we live in now and the challenges that we face now and into the future, rather than trying to apply old methods to new problems. This is one of the reasons why coaches get fired, for example is sometimes you'll have someone who has an old school philosophy, but like everything in the world, these games change. And oftentimes what worked in the past ceases to work because offenses evolve. A defensive coordinator needs to change his methodologies to stop an offense and vice versa. And if you're trying to do something that worked in the past and you're stubbornly refusing to make adjustments, that's a great way to lose your job. It's the same thing with us in our personal lives. If we're trying to apply old methods to to problems that require us to be flexible and, and to roll with the changes, we may find that we are having an unstable effort, that we are having a, a, an experience of futility. The solution to that is to move on and make adjustments. It, there's nothing sadder than watching someone do the same thing over and over and over again especially when they know that it isn't working and they know that it's wrong. I mean, that's something that bothers a lot of us. 
what what doesn't bother us oftentimes is when someone makes a mistake, owns up to it, changes, and then does something different. But when we see people stubbornly refusing to change at the expense of not only themselves but of others, that's when we have righteous indignation, okay? Carol says, my moon is here in Aquarius 3. Yeah, this is a, you know, the interesting thing about that, Carol, is that it, it's a it's an uncomfortable place for the moon, but in, in this particular case, you do have some dignity by face. So there may be uh, an, an ability to, to leave situations that are out of alignment with your new belief systems and be able to adjust your thinking to embrace a new methodology and to experience a leap into the unknown. Okay, so that's Aquarius 3. Let's start taking a look at the chart. So Aquarius 3, again, is the time period between February 9th and February 18th, all the way up until the, the sun moves into Pisces. So here is the um, the moon, the new moon here. We'll just start with the new moon because that's really the the ushering in of the Aquarius 3 season is the new moon in the first degrees of that particular decan. So here we see it at 20 degrees of Aquarius. We have this lunation. It's hosted by Saturn. So there's a very Saturnian quality to all of this. And we're coming off of the square to Jupiter and Uranus, but especially Uranus. Yes, it is going to be squaring uh, Jupiter, but it's going to be much closer to that square to Uranus. So this could be something where we're having to embrace new methodology. We are having to tell ourselves a new story, a new narrative, and we may be potentially beginning a process of revisiting a, a very entangled situation. I, I like how Austin calls it the knot because Aquarius is all about the connections that we experience, I think, socially. Like a lot of the, the awareness that our actions are not in a vacuum. That when there's a forest fire on the west coast of the United States, I can potentially see it here in the Midwest of the United States and the sun will turn a, a, a strange orange sherbet color, right? This was one of, the, one of the moments where I sort of was really, really feeling Aquarius energy viscerally it was last summer when we were having these crazy forest fires in Canada and the West Coast and, and the sky completely changed. There, and there's no fire within you know, 500 miles of my, my home. And it just goes to show that, that we are connected. And we know that intellectually, some of us do, some of us don't care. Uh, but when you actually get to experience that in a physical way, it can, it can really hammer the, home, the point home in a, in, a, in a very somatic and visceral fashion. So this new moon may bring us an awareness of a situation where our lives are interconnected with others, where to be able to untangle a karmic knot, we need to understand, first of all, how we are 
connected with other people. We have to understand the knot. When you're trying to untangle something, if you just blindly just stretch it and rip it, it you're good. sometimes you make the knot worse. When you are trying to untangle a knot, you have to understand how all the loops are working, how pulling one loop is going to change another loop. And this may be part of what we're experiencing with this, this new moon at the beginning of the Sun in Aquarius 3, is which, which loops are you pulling and how is that going to affect some other part of your life? And you have to be very patient. You have to be very careful. You have to, you have to choose wisely which loop you are trying to untangle first. And that might be part of what we're doing with this new moon too, is choosing our loops. Okay. Uh, Saturn, of course, is in aversion to this new moon. So it's having difficulty providing some of that stability and resource to, to be able to move us forward. But I do think that this is an important time to shake up our routines, reevaluate which stories shape our lives from the from the dream time, okay, and start to untangle a situation that's been vexing us for quite some time by becoming objective. Okay. Big Steph says all my serious relationships have been with Aquarians. Then I realized it must be. Might be my Saturn and Aquarius at work. Yeah, that's possible, big stuff. If I remember correctly, you're an Aries rising as well. Um, so there might be some connection with, you know, Saturn being the exaltation ruler of your seventh house in Libra. So that might be something to, to think about too. Okay. Okay, let's keep going, friends. So let's move forward to the 10th. Okay, as we start to see this new moon unfolding, um, the first aspect actually of this new moon is going to be uh, a conjunction with Saturn. So really us coming face to face here, you can see this here, at about seven degrees of Pisces, becoming coming face to face with the types of uh, mazes, labyrinths, and, and mythologies that either keep us stuck in a certain repetitive pattern or that potentially could liberate us. Okay, if we get here to the 10th, I'm gonna go back to the 10th here. This is where we see another square, or the beginning of the squares, I guess, with Jupiter. We had the Sun square Jupiter. The Sun is squaring Jupiter as I record this, actually. So, going into Saturday. Um, I'm recording this on the 26th, so Saturday the 27th, the Sun will square Jupiter. And now Mercury is going to take its turn squaring Jupiter at about 8 degrees of both Aquarius and Taurus. So one thing I want you to do, if you're listening to this in real time today, I want you to take some notes about your Sun-Jupiter experience, because some of those themes could be repeated when we have Mercury squaring Jupiter. Now, it's going to be a different facet of that energy, but some of the themes could be very similar because it's going to be moving through uh, the same houses, but it's going to be bringing and hosting two different houses. So today, we may be having a, a Sun-Jupiter square where we have some Leo elements coming in because the Sun is the host of Leo. Now, when Mercury does that, we're going to see Gemini and Virgo topics going through the same process. Now, what, what kind of things are we going to be experiencing? Well, 
think about those two decans. Think about what we talked about with Mercury in Aquarius, giving us, uh, challenging us to understand how things are or are not fair socially for us in the world or for other people. Uh, so our, our questions that we're asking about whether we want to conform or not conform may be running into our desire to expand our material plans and resources, which is what Jupiter in Taurus 1 is trying to achieve. It's trying to achieve honor and merit and peace through planning for a, our, a healthy material future, through plowing the fields of our lives. So this is a question between the, the, the ideal and the practical. So you could be having some, a lot of ideas about how to move forward in an unorthodox fashion, but it's coming into a challenging aspect with your need to, to increase your material security in the world. So keep that in mind as we move forward. As we move forward with this set of aspects, and we go to the 12th, I think the 12th is a really big day. So after those interesting conversations, thoughts, etc., we have Saturn going into the beams. So you can see Saturn at seven degrees is in that 15 degree arc of separation from the sun. And as I mentioned earlier, we often see really interesting things in the collective when Saturn is going under the beams, when it does its Kazemi, and then when it emerges from the beams. I want, on a personal level, take a look at your Capricorn and Aquarius houses to see where this interesting shift might happen. Uh, the Pisces topic is going to be the catalyst for it, but it's going to be connected to those other two topics. Collectively, I think we might be starting to change our mythological narratives that shape the blueprints of society. Um, I always get nervous a little bit when Saturn is going under the beams. As someone who prizes peace and stability, oftentimes those things aren't as aren't as available when Saturn is going under the beams. It's a it's a time period where the structures are dissolving and melting. And I totally understand that there are structures in life that need to dissolve and melt and, and welcome many of those. It's just a little bit of an uncomfortable period uh, for us as a collective. So we could be witnessing uh, some, especially maybe some things related to the ocean, related to water structures breaking down. I mean, like, you know, just this thought came to mind, maybe a dam breaks or something like that. That that would be the perfect Saturn in, a, in Pisces going under the beams of the sun moment. It's like, I don't know, Hoover Dam, like busting open or something like that. I just got thinking, thinking out of the top of my head. I, I described Saturn and Pisces through the story and metaphor of the beaver recently. And, and I could imagine like a beaver dam breaking away or something of that nature, and then the whole the flood starting to happen. Everything that had been contained beginning to, to move again. Now, some dams aren't healthy for our, our ecosystem and our waterways. So 
there could be uh, some blockages that get released through this period of time that will lead to important fertility uh, in the future. But in the moment, it feels a little bit destabilizing. Um, and I know the various folks of, out there have differing levels of comfortability with chaos and with structure. Um, I tend to lean more towards desiring peace and, and uh, structure, <laughs> honestly. But I also understand how unfair those structures can be and welcome the changes that need to come through an experience like this. So, so pay attention to those three topical houses in your life. See how you can start to break down the emotional structures that have solidified in your life that are, quite frankly, that have outlived their usefulness. So when you can start to become realistic about the, how the stories that you commit, are committed to and the beliefs that you are committed to are potentially outdated, that's going to begin the process of liberation that eventually will set you free and help you create structures that are a reflection of who you are now rather than who you were in the past. And that actually will help bring about more peace and harmony, especially from a, a, a position of feeling um, authentic, an authentic uh, connection between your inner and outer selves. Okay. I'm going to keep going here, friends, and I'm appreciating all these comments in the chat. I just have to keep, kind of have to keep, keep on track here a little bit. Um, so that's our movement of Saturn under the beams of the sun, breakdown of structures, Saturn taking to its sickbed, setting up the conjunction of the sun and Saturn and Mercury and Saturn on the same day of February the 28th. So we move over. This is... I love how the, the, the succession planning happens in astrology because we're, we will have some kind of moment with Saturn going under the beams and then almost simultaneously, okay, right at that moment, Mars moves into or ingresses into Aquarius and conjoins Pluto. Yikes. So that moment of breakdown in structures could reveal some of the challenges in our thinking, in the way that we organize society through our ideals. It could, there could be some challenging, violent event potentially through the air uh, where we're having to deal with some kind of corruption in our technology. I could this could also maybe this is like a cyber attack or something and i don't mean to like um call in the most negative manifestations of this but mars pluto energy and with mars now making a whole sign square to jupiter and uranus sometimes there'll be things that we experience that are are violent and are not uh not fun and we have to acknowledge some of those things along with the, the other parts of our experience. And Tracy's here too. Nice to see you, Tracy. Hello, lovelies. Hello, Tracy. So I'll rewatch the live. Thank you, Spencer. Thank you, Tracy, for joining us today. Um, so Mars-Pluto could be the, the revelation of some kind of corruption in the air. Could be something in our informational systems. Could be the breakdown of some of our 
connections. It could be uh, an internet challenge. It could be a cyber something. Um, all are ripe possibilities. It could also be severing uh, means of information. You know, I, I, I touched on this earlier in the broadcast, but there are certain laws that could potentially go into effect in places like Florida and lawsuits in California where we may see a limiting of information to young people. And I'm still sort of on the fence about that right now. I'm, I'm opposed to censorship, so I, I feel negatively about that. And I'm, no offense to anyone in Florida, but I'm inherently distrustful of the government in Florida right now. And to me, trying to limit people's access to information can be very detrimental to someone's mental health, just as detrimental as like what they're claiming is trying to protect, they're trying to protect them from corporate entities controlling their minds through, uh, through the algorithms of social media. I can see it both ways. You can control somebody by showing them information and you can control somebody by denying them information. And please, please, please don't make the mistake of thinking that Aquarius is just love and light and equality. It, it can be those things, but there is a darker side of Saturn and Aquarius energy, which only allows for one particular perspective and will cast all other perspectives into the shadows. And we, this is, it's, that's censorship at its best or at its, I don't know, its darkest, I guess you could say. Um, and I, I'm really opposed to that. I'm really opposed to like people limiting, uh, you know, access to information. There are of course boundaries and limits that need to be placed in some of these circumstances. I do think that we shouldn't be allowed to use information in our, in our pulpits and our social media accounts to incite violence and to uh, put other people in danger. I think that that's fundamentally wrong and I, I, we have to figure out ways to, to have some kind of containers for these things. But it's, all of these things are fine lines and slippery slopes. So I just, this is why I'm not a politician, friends. I, these are complicated issues and I'm trying to live into the answer as much like many of you. Uh, let's see. Devin says Aquarius also rules refugees and refugees are created by negative circumstances. Absolutely. So this could be something where a negative circumstance creates a mass exodus potentially as well. You know, Austin Cobbett calls that deck in the mark of exile. So this could be something where some, some kind of air challenge could have people evacuating, right? I remember, uh, not that long ago, when a train derailed in Ohio and spilled a bunch of toxic chemicals in the ground and in the air and in the water. And many people, if they were able to, had to leave that area and become refugees from their home city. Some people were just stuck there because they didn't have anywhere else to go. So these are some of the, the topics that we are going to be working through potentially. Eilish says, unsouling, yes, we have fled to the mind, insolment and re-enchanting the world. Yes, please. I'm with you, Eilish. I I am someone who appreciates nature with a Taurus moon, 
but also can can have tendencies of getting stuck in my head too. So navigating the air age has been a little bit challenging. I'm feeling what you're feeling, I think, here is that I would love to be able to just reconnect with my body and with nature more so. And we have to, what we have to do is become intentional about it. If we, if we aren't intentional and we just let ourselves kind of just be influenced by the, the, I don't know, advertisements, you know, social media, all of those things, it's very, very easy just to, to, you'll look up and hours will be gone. Like these are time stealers. These are attention black holes. And we have to be very intentional about setting boundaries around that. In that regard, I agree with setting containers and boundaries around it. And you're talking to someone too, also who had a child who really struggled with social media and had to set boundaries in our household around uh, her engagement with those uh, in a in a pretty intense way, like like not having a phone for a quite a long period of time and not engaging with social media for a long period of time. Um, and I think that honestly, she was better for it. But everybody has a different perspective and a different way of dealing with some of these challenges. Um, and your solutions might be different than mine, but I digress. So here's our Mars-Pluto conjunction. And here are my notes for this on the 14th. This is what, Valentine's Day? <laughs> Which is a, that holiday, I'm sorry, maybe this is just me getting tired and my walls coming down, but that is not my favorite holiday. Mostly because that is the, astrologically, that is like the, probably the, the dumbest <laughs> time <laughs> to have a, you know, a holiday that's all about like emotions and love and things like that. It's, it's so distant and like, you know, it's a tough time. If anything, I would pick a a Pisces Venus time or something like that for something like Valentine's day, but, but neither here nor there. So here's what I had wrote down for my notes for Mars, Pluto, intense willpower and drive volcanic eruptions of ideas or of tech question mark. New laws in Florida and other places banning social media for people under the age of 16. Tech reckoning, refugees and injustices, um, maybe even being severed and cut off from information on some level. So maybe a big social media platform goes down. I know sometimes like things like Twitter have, have you know gone silent at, for periods of time. So that could be something we could be experiencing as well. And, and that can be dangerous too because oftentimes some of those are utilities that keep people connected, especially when they have oppressive regimes that they are uh, working under or within. Hold on a second. Uh, Devin says, yes, because Aquarius is not the water and the sign, but the container for it. There you go. I love it. Yes, agree. The water bearer. Okay, but it's bearing the water. You're like It's not the water itself. Good. Big Steph says, everything we take in is our diet, our food. Feed your soul with good magic. Yes, information is food too. So so take in things that fill your soul um, and be intentional about it. You know, I will say this, Big Steph, too. This is the hard part about living in a modern society, and I won't go too far this rabbit hole, but I think that we have to be able to monitor what we take in while also not filtering out 
so much that we aren't aware of how other people are struggling as well. I don't think we need to to take on and consume every tragedy in the world at all times because I think that that's not how we evolved. We evolved in smaller communities where there was tragedies sometimes that people acknowledged and grieved, but they weren't dealing with everyone's tragedy every single moment, 24 hours a day, 24-7. And our brains are getting completely burned out doing that. That being said, if you go to the other extreme where we don't, where we filter out anything negative and we only try to view the world from a rose-colored glasses lens, then we are missing out on things and opportunities to be able to help people that need our help. That's when people start falling through the cracks. That's when people on the fringe of society start really getting oppressed by people that don't have their best needs in, in mind, is when we start ignoring those things and when we start just trying to only consume something that makes us feel good because we can't take on the difficulty in the world. So that's my long way of saying it's a balance, like modulate and regulate that what you take in, pick specific times maybe to engage with the news. You don't have to do it all the time 24-7, but you also can't uh, ignore when other people are going through difficult times because they may need us. Austin Copics has a silent campaign to re-elect Valentine's Day to Pisces season. Devin says, oh, I love, I love it. <laughs> that would be great. Let's do it. <laughs> it would be much more appropriate. I think we'd have much better Valentine's Days. Big Steph says, I'm just speaking of discernment, not happy, clappy, LOL. Yes, I'm, and to, totally understand, Big Steph. I think, and, and it's that, that little soapbox was not even directly... Uh, aimed at you. It was more about just uh, saying, hey, let's, when we're trying to figure out what to consume in the world, and I'm guilty of this too, like sometimes I'm, as a young person, especially in college, when I was learning more about larger systems, uh, I got really, really depressed because I would take on the weight of the world, and I, I had a lot of trouble functioning because I'm sensitive to, to suffering, and I just couldn't handle all of the suffering that I was feeling and hearing around the world. And I got very angry, I got very depressed, and I had to learn how to how and when to engage and then when to disengage with it. And then when to come back to it from a place of centeredness. And it's a it's a it's something that requires practice. And there are gonna be times when you have energy to engage with those things and there's gonna be times where you need to recharge and refill the well. When we're dealing with systems of oppression, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Okay, so this is the something to keep in mind is as we head into an election here in the United States, um, I'm just laughing because election years are notoriously difficult for news cycles. Um, don't get me wrong. I love that we have elections still in this country, and I hope we continue to have them. I pray that we continue to have them. Um, but the noise and the rhetoric that comes out of these years is exhausting. And it seems like it's getting worse and worse as, we, as we're able to just give these folks uh, a, a bully pulpit um, more consistently with uh, the media types of things. So 
I will try to engage as much as I need to, and then I will try to take a break when I need to as well. Okay, so this brings us to, let's keep going. We could, we could talk about that all day, um, but we need to get through this. I gotta go have dinner with my lovely daughter this, this evening and bring her a birthday present. So that's, that's where we're, we got about an hour here, friends. <laughs> we'll see if we can get through it in an hour. Uh, let's see. So we are now at February the 15th and the 16th. Let's go to the 16th. On February the 16th, uh, we have our first quarter moon. So if we go forward a few more, actually backwards, a few more hours here, because I'd like you to be able to see that on the screen. Uh-oh. Oh, no, we've got to froze again. Um, poop. There we go. We're back. Sometimes with all of the things that my computer is trying to do, it is saying, what are you doing, buddy? You are, you're not allowed to do that many things at once. And we had that experience last week, and it was a little bit of a bummer. So here, here is the, the first quarter moon. With the sun at 27 degrees of Aquarius and the moon at 27 degrees of Taurus. And this is where we are trying to bring something into, into being. Um, I think that we always are connecting these first and last quarter moons back to the new and the full moons. So remember that the, the seed that was planted was one of untangling a karmic knot, if we're following Austin Kopic's book, 36 Faces. And this might be a point where we're having to remediate our previous mistakes, potentially. That third decan of Taurus uh, requires patience. It requires evaluating a material process that came before and seeing if we are successful or, or if we did something rash and it needs to be redone. So to be able to untangle something, we may have to revisit it and have patience with the process and admit a mistake and then make amends for it. So that could be part of our first quarter moon process. So what needs to be fixed so that you can move on potentially? Now keep in mind that the moon will be out of bounds from February 16th to February the 21st. So this process could be fairly emotional and it could tax us to some of our, our somatic limits, our bodily limits. Similarly on this day, or potentially also on this day, Venus is moving into Aquarius. So here is Venus's ingress into Aquarius. So now we have Venus with this giant stack up, this giant Sun, Mercury, Mars, Pluto, Venus, Stellium in Aquarius. So it will immediately conjoin Pluto the next day, the 17th. Um, we are also having Mercury squaring Uranus this day also. So there's Mercury squaring Uranus. Okay. So now Venus is moving down off of the throne of matter and uh, moving into the fringe. The good news about Venus moving into Aquarius, especially the first decan, is that it is in its own face. So we're able to potentially find beauty through going off into exile, beauty on the fringe, 
being able to to understand that we could take materials that other people have discarded and create something glorious and and harmonious from it. You know, Austin talks about coppersmiths taking a a, a, a metal of quote unquote lesser value, but of high utilitarian value, and making something beautiful from it. So so think about that as we as you move with Venus into the conjunction with Pluto. Maybe you can create something beautiful from what's revealed to you. And even if it doesn't immediately seem like it's as valuable as like gold or silver, remember that copper and and things of that ilk really do have a lot of uh, practical value. So even if you're having to make do with lesser means, you can you can create something really wonderful from that. And Pluto might be helping to usher in that process potentially. So dignity by face, uh, finding beauty on the fringe. Uh, repurposing discarded items and ideas especially as well and becoming the coppersmith now with mercury squaring uranus mercury is in its own face in the second decan of aquarius helping us to communicate between the haves and the have-nots between the center and the peripheral so we may be communicating with a lot of different types of people or communicating between worlds potentially uh, there could be shocking news we could be moving on to new routines a lot of people have been wondering whether we'll get communications from different worlds during Pluto and Aquarius and things of that nature. That's certainly a possibility. I think it would be hubristic to, to think that we are the only life forms or the only planet that has life in such a vast, 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 vast cosmos. Um, so that could be something that could happen as well. I don't have... I don't have the the intellectual authority to, to make a... a definitive statement on that, but I think that we can be open to those possibilities. Okay, so that's the 16th and the 17th. Uh, Venus ingressing and conjoining Pluto, Mercury squaring Uranus, like thinking outside the box, shaking up our thought processes so that we can move on and have different different routines. Remember, that's an echo of the Sun squaring uh, Uranus, so connect those those times to each other. And in this case, you may have to shake up things related to your Gemini and Virgo topics in your natal chart as well. Okay, EK says, today's my son's birthday. I didn't realize that. Oh my goodness. Beth, you better, <laughs> better get on that. I hope I hope uh, he didn't realize that you forgot. Um, no, it's, it's when we got a lot going on in our lives, sometimes that can uh, those things can slip through the cracks. But now you have an opportunity. The day's not over. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's funny. Um, good luck with that, Beth, and uh, hope happy birthday to your son. Um, all right, so let's go back and uh, finish off the sun moving through Aquarius three. We've gone through this the first quarter square to the moon on the sixteenth. Venus ingressing into Aquarius, Mercury squaring Uranus, and then. Venus conjoining Pluto. And actually, that's it. That's what we've got for uh, Aquarius season. So let's take this opportunity to take another little stretch break, if you'll allow me the, the pleasure of stretching. Okay, do me a huge favor while we take another stretch at the uh, two-ish hour mark here. Please like and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Please like this video. Help us to get the word out to people. 
if you're enjoying these these kind of uh, detailed yet casual conversations, I think that's the that's the vibe here. We go into an enormous amount of depth, but we try to keep it keep it uh, you know I don't know loose. We try to have good conversations. We try to leave space for multiple worldviews and multiple opinions. We try to welcome in our international friends at every opportunity. It's something that I really enjoy about this channel. This is not an, an American-centric program, or at least I hope it isn't. I'm trying my best to make it global. But yeah, if these things are resonating with you, there's a couple ways you can support the show and the channel. First of all, easiest thing to do, like and subscribe. Second thing you could do, uh, reach out for a reading. I love working with all of you and getting to know you and your charts. And I put the same amount of detailed analysis into your individual chart as I do into these, these readings and these forecasts. Um, and we get to connect and we get to talk and, and hopefully create space and reflect back to you some of the, the, the gifts and challenges that you might be going through. Um, I try to be as good of a listener as I can and and it's definitely a two-way conversation when we have readings and we we really try to get into a lot of depth and unpack and at the end of a reading my hope is that someone feels seen and feels heard and that I've given them constructive advice to be able to to move forward with grace or to accept some things in their lives as well it's it's both astrology helps us do both it helps us to change some things that we can and accept some of the things that we that might be a little bit more immutable in our lives. Okay. So, friends. Oh, Eilish, thank you for the super sticker. That's our first super sticker of the day. Appreciate you, friend. Um, that's another good way to support the show. You can make a donation uh, via super sticker or super chat, or you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. EK says, silly, I meant I didn't realize your daughter and my son share a birthday. Uh, I don't know if they do. It's not actually my daughter's birthday today. We're meeting up a week after her birthday. Her birthday was like a week ago. Um, but our schedules are matching up now. <laughs> Rachel says that Venus-Mars-Pluto conjunction is intriguing to me. Yes, there's a lot going on there, friend. Uh, this is a lot of focus on going off into a new direction. And through... Um, realizing that not every situation, um, that we don't have to conform in every situation. I think that nonconformity is a really big part of that and that we don't, we can't please everyone. I think that's another big, big theme of Aquarius. And I talked about, I talk about this with my Aquarius clients and friends a lot is saying that Saturn is going to require you or us to do the things that will set up society and the long-range vision uh, while also creating intellectual structures in your life. And sometimes that requires releasing old structures. Um, sometimes it requires doing things that people don't understand until very vastly after the fact. So how can you take the actions that will will benefit the next seven generations, right? As we start to think about that in uh, in the ensouled way. So yes, a lot, 
a lot of change is coming. A lot of change is coming. And it may feel and look very foreign to us. And we're just going to have to kind of roll with the changes. Okay. Let's go back to it. We're going to bring this back up. And we're going to go back to... Actually, what we're going to do first, friends, is we're going to look at Pisces 1. So when we get to the sun in Pisces 1, from February the 18th to February the 28th, we are changing. We're, we're, the vibe is going to shift significantly. Uh, the, ch the change from a Saturn-ruled sun to a Jupiter-ruled sun can be very... Uh, it can be uplifting. It can, it'll be, sometimes it can be very stark in the differences that we're experiencing. We're moving from an air sign, which many people associate with the intellect, to a water sign, which a lot of folks will associate with the emotions and the and intuition. So a lot of what we think we know, uh, it shifts from maybe the brain to the heart or uh, something of that nature. Now, after we've gotten clear about all of our entanglements and started to unravel them, sometimes we, we decide that we no longer want to keep struggling and that it's time to go off into a journey to find deeper meaning. Now, Pisces 1, I think, is a really important place for that. This is where Saturn's hanging out right now. So when the sun moves into Pisces 1, we are going to set up uh, a, the eventual conjunction with Saturn. So we're going to shine a lot more light on how how we organize our lives based on the unseen ties that bind us the the spiritual energy if you want to say that the substance behind the physical reality the the indra's net the the spider webs that connect all of us but the 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 undifferentiated source that we create from like 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 we were talking about with neptune and the one thing the hermetic idea of the one mind and the one thing. Um, so we may be experiencing themes collectively of beginning an inner journey. Uh, the Sephira is called Hode in Bria, which is, I believe Hode is a Mercury Sephira, surrendering to our emotions. We're surrendering potentially here. Leaving material success behind. You can see in this card, the Eight of Cups, we're leaving behind something that we've achieved in search of meaning. Now in the Thema Mundi, in the Thema Mundi, the, the philosophical natal teaching tool, natal chart of the world, Pisces is on the ninth house cusp, which is a cadent house that happens before we take action with the 10th house. It, it was the, the sign that was on the 10th house uh, bef beforehand, and, and, or the, ha that we have to go through that energy before we make a decision. So oftentimes we need to find why we're doing something, or, or why we, maybe even why, we're, why we did something. And oftentimes this can pull us away from pursuing material rewards in search of something higher and more meaningful. So desire for a higher purpose, confronting narrative loops that we have in our lives, understanding the mythic structure of life. Again, we can talk about figurative language, metaphor. Metaphor is basically when an object or a symbol represents something else. This is why Mercury is confused in this, this particular area of, of life, because Mercury wants to communicate something clearly. And the 
the essential essence of a metaphor is to make some, one thing into something else. That's where the confusion can be. And if you're like uh, the, the scientist's son in Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, you might not understand fishing metaphors, right? Like I could see the, that maybe, uh, what's his name? Flint Lockwood. I, I can only remember that because I can hear Mr. T's voice going, Flint Lockwood. <laughs> that's a funny movie. Um, yeah, that's the voice of the, the police officer character that Mr. T played in that, that show. Um, I could see Flint Lockwood being an air sign, potentially, like an Aquarius or a Gemini or something. And not an, like he's like, I don't understand your fishing metaphors. And his dad is very obviously a Cancer or a Pisces you know, type of archetype. And he can, he can only communicate his love for his son through these, these indirect ways. And we may be starting to experience the world in that same indirect fashion. And, and that can be challenging if we're trying to get clear on something. Um, Michelle, thank you for the super sticker, my friend. Appreciate you being here today. Hope things are going well for you and everything's going going super duper for you appreciate your contribution and your your generosity each week friend jennifer is here is driving but listening good i'm glad i'm accompanying you on your on your journey here today uh naturalized alien resident is here says hi everyone eight of cups reminds me of the siren song by thomas finer and anyone i'm not familiar with that uh is that a book I, uh, the idea of the siren song definitely I I relate to. I can there's a there's a song by um, Tim Buckley called "Song to the Siren" that was later covered by the Cocteau Twins uh, that really embraces this energy and, and the 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 Odysseus story of the sirens being pulling people off of their their course and into peril potentially. So this is another warning again with Pisces one is. Is there things that, that could pull us away from our sense of reality? I think a lot of times we characterize Pisces as being dreamy and imaginative, but sometimes it can, the negative downside of that can be escapism, where if, the, if our truth and our reality is too hard to deal with, we often can go off and into another reality, another dimension, whether it's through substances and altered states of reality through that, or whether it's through art like movies or video games or things like that as well that's something that i will uh sometimes struggle with is i i i'm a daydreamer and sometimes i'll get lost in a world and i'll, I'll look up and I've, I've been completely in another state of consciousness for like an hour <laughs> and it's it's easy to lose time maybe maybe i have a little bit of the attention challenge potentially but i really just think it's the way that my brain works and I've had to kind of shape my life to, to allow myself some of those times and to be intentional about it. I was, I was actually bad at learning math as a kid. Not that I'm bad at math in general, but math to me didn't, I didn't see any meaning and purpose behind it. And when I don't, when I can't connect a skill with something that's meaningful to me emotionally, my brain just tunes out to something completely different. And when you do that in math class, you get behind really, really quickly and everything builds on itself. So I struggled with math as a kid because it, it didn't feel important to me. And maybe that's a failing of the teachers that I have without making it important. So I bet there's math teachers out there that can make math um, amazingly meaningful. 
but it, that wasn't the case when I was in English class. I could I could completely focus in English class because I was feeling the feelings that they were expressing in the writing. Uh, yeah, European band. Cool, 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 cool. Um, so yes, the siren song energy of Pisces 1, something that's calling us off into the distance. And again, we have to be careful of, of which which paths we allow ourselves to be pulled into or, or down into. So, themes uh, or questions that you can ask yourself. What siren song is calling to you? There you go. It's, there it is on the screen. That's the, that was one of the ones that we, we have for Pisces 1, friend. Uh, what material form have you outgrown? Okay, oftentimes we, we feel a dissatisfaction in this Deccan. It's a Saturn-ruled Deccan, which can be associated with being done with something. That, that you're outgrowing it and you need to go on a journey to find something new. Where will this inner journey take you? Uh, what, uh, let's see, what truths are being revealed through the ex internal wanderings? Okay, what, what external truths are being revealed through internal wanderings? This is kind of a communication between those. The story of Odysseus is very prominent in Pisces, especially, I believe, Liz Green talks about Odysseus quite a bit in the Pisces chapter. Um, you know, there, there's a there's a home that we're longing for in this sign that sometimes we get off track, right? It's a circuitous path back home for Odysseus. What repetitive story is shaping your reality? And then finally, is your personal mythology creating a prison or a palace? And that's that's heavy magic, right? That's that's sometimes we don't even understand the the underlying uh, repetitive narrative loops that we keep shaping our reality and making choices around. So be very, try to become cognizant and aware of those things so that you're not being controlled by subconscious patterns in your life that are detrimental. And again, a lot of those things are, are trauma responses. So if you can identify your trauma, whether it's through therapy, sometimes through astrology, although I will say that I can, I can show you the way, but I think doing astrology readings in addition to doing deep therapeutic work with trained professional in that type of work is important, especially because we can kind of touch a nerve really quickly with a chart because we can, we can see behind a lot of the layers. To You can see the trauma in the chart pretty quickly. Um, but when you reveal that, you have to give somebody actionable things to do with it. And oftentimes a, a, a licensed and trained therapist is the way to go with that. And I often recommend that with my clients. If there's a problem that we is just above my pay grade, it's okay as an astrologer to say, this is above my pay grade. And do you have a therapist that you're working with? Uh, that's the responsible thing to do, in my opinion. Um, Mr. Hindsight says, I've always been a daydreamer. My fourth grade teacher told me she would forgive me if I became another Thomas Edison. Well, <laughs> good. Um, and at the same time, you don't have to become anything to daydream. I will say that, Mr. Hindsight. I, I disagree with your teacher on that, that if we don't make a, a huge uh, contribution to society, that daydreaming is unproductive. Sometimes we need to just go into those liminal spaces just for our own mental and emotional health. But yes, it's okay to be a dreamer. We just have to figure out how to to give ourselves the proper containers for it so that we can still live 
uh, functional lives as a part of a community and as a society, even if we don't always agree with that society, which I often don't. So we can share some of that. Okay, so that's Pisces 1, friends. Let's bring the chart back up, and we'll break it down. Hopefully you're doing well out there and that you're continuing to enjoy the broadcast today. We go in depth here. You don't you don't necessarily have to consume all this all at once if you have things to do too. I know people stop in and stop out and revisit it at various points. It's it's here as a resource for you. So I'm happy to provide that service. But let's take a look at this. So we're starting off Pisces 1 with Obviously, the sun moving into a new sign, and we're going to be, uh, let's see, let's make sure that we've got the sun in Pisces 1 here, if my program will allow this. I think it's trying to figure it out. There we go. So here is the sun moving into Pisces. So you can see that Pisces is... Now, not a Saturnian sign, but a Jupiterian sign. So one of the, the main things that I think is really interesting is that now we have the host of our solar planet in a harmonious relationship. Okay, So this is a, a really interesting way to um, understand that now we may get a little bit more support for crafting our own identities, for taking responsibility and shining our own individual light and taking authority within our lives because it is being supported by, by Jupiter in a, in a harmonious sextile. It could be easier to allow things to, to come to us in our life, which I think would be really important. So being a sign of Jupiter, it is, it, it is expansive, it is harmonizing, it is a peacemaker, but maybe through internal journeying and through understanding the mycelium that connects us to one another. <laughs> it's fun. Big Stuff says, I daydream, therefore I am. Now be nice to Descartes. <laughs> oh, never! <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> Sorry. Just, uh, there's a big part of me that's just like, dude, that dude set us back so far with like a desouling the cosmos. Um, but if you have if you have a soft spot for him, you you can maybe you can convince me of the 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 advantages that he gave us to a Western civilization. But I don't know, Steph. <laughs> Sorry, but all in good fun. All in good fun. We could have like a philosophy jokes and and you know mock battles till the cows come home. <laughs> I can't think of anything more annoying than like a bunch of us sitting around arguing about dead Greek philosophers and who's right and who's wrong. <laughs> so I'll try to spare us that in this channel as much as we can. Okay. Uh, by the way, my beautiful daughter, who uh, was doing a, a, a minor in philosophy, recently changed because she was like, this is just a bunch of, of guys of like old guys in my in, who will dismiss anything that I say because I'm a woman and like won't listen to anything that I challenge about their preconceived notions. And I was like, oh, that's unfortunately that is the case in some of these circles. And I, I wish that we would 
it wouldn't just be that sort of a boys club like that where people would actually there would be more room for equality within those circles so that's another a ripe uh, place for growth and for expansion um, as well so anyway uh, naturalized alien residences after overloads of politics and scammers will be hiding in nature more yes oh amen to that I think we're going to need it. I think we're going to feel the desire to go off and, and reconnect with uh, and reduce some of the, the boundaries that we have between us and, and the collective. And doing that through nature can be really, really important. I, I agree with that. Big Stuff says, just thinking of the Monty Python song, Rene Descartes was a drunken fart. <laughs> I love it. I'd, I'm not familiar with that song, but I would love to hear it now because I agree and I think he was. <laughs> okay. Back on task here, friends. I like having fun with you, with all of you here today, but we've got to finish this thing up. Okay, so Pisces, Sun, hosted by Jupiter. Now it's co-present with Saturn, also with Neptune. It's helping to set up the Mercury-Saturn-Kazemi at 9 degrees. We're searching for meaning, maybe even leaving something behind. As we get to the 20th, as we get to the 20th, we have the moon at the bending of the nodes at about 16 degrees of cancer. It doesn't show exactly here in the chart. But remember when we were talking about Venus at the bending of the nodes? This could be something where the, the, the cancer area of our, of our chart is getting lit up by a, an important um, turning point. And this happens much more regularly than some of the other planets because the, the moon's going to hit the bending of the nodes like you know once every few weeks. But uh, it still might be an important turning point for the Cancerian area of your life and a move towards independence. Maybe finding the nurturing that you need to move towards independence. Okay, the Philosopher's Song, Big Stuff says. Oh yes, I'll check it out. Thank you for that recommendation. Okay, so that is the, the moon at the bending of the nodes on the 20th. That's my dad's birthday. Happy birthday, Dad. Hope that you're doing well and having fun in your retirement. Uh, the 22nd of February... Here we start to get some some juice for this particular decade. And the first thing that we see is a conjunction between Mars and Venus. Okay, So Venus and Mars are coming together at about 6 degrees of Aquarius. Now I'm not sure why it's so far in the past here. Maybe it's the day before, but it doesn't matter. About the, around the 21st, yeah, the 21st and the 22nd, those two planets are going to be coming together. So oftentimes we see uh, passionate emotions. Um, we could have a conflict within a relationship. In this case, it's interesting to me because it's, it's in a sign that, that favors detachment. So this we could be very passionate about a, an idea rather than a feeling so this could be where we're, where we're getting up in arms about how something is done or how society is structured um, remember that that Deccan is hosted by the the goddess Daiki or it has a spirit named Daiki who where we our awareness of an injustice might cause us to just leave a system or leave a centralized position you know voluntarily so we could find unorthodox solutions within our relationships as well, but it could also be through 
of feeling like we're done with something, if that makes sense. Remember, Venus can also be soothing some of the challenges with, with Mars as well. Um, Mars and Aphrodite and Ares were, were lovers and consorts, and Aphrodite was said to be one of the only forces or things that could soothe, uh, soothe Ares. Um, often through sex. So this, this could be another thing to think about with this. Maybe this is a, a good time to like, if you have a fight and like, just, just share your bodies with one another or something and have uh, make up in that fashion. That could be a way to do it. Um, but I digress. Uh, the other thing that's happening around the 21st and the 22nd is our good friend Jupiter, Zeus, is moving into a new Deccan. Okay. So this is Jupiter at 10 degrees of Taurus now in the, the, the Deccan that's associated with the Six of Pentacles. And that Deccan is different than the first Deccan of Taurus in, in, its, in the way that Mercury ruling the first Deccan allows us to make material plans for the future, potentially because of a fear of scarcity. When we get to the, the moon ruled Deccan of Taurus, the, tech, the second Deccan, we're, we're working more towards uh, fructifying the fields, right? Like, like that's, a, that's another Capic, Capic word <laughs> I've, I've adopted. It's, we've plowed the fields, we've removed the obstacles, we've made plans, and now it's time to plant the seed, right? It's time to find the, the, the rhythms and routines and the balance between work and play that's going to allow us to be successful. And you know, one thing to keep in mind with this is as Venus and Mars are coming together in Aquarius, it's actually the host. Venus is the host of Jupiter as it moves into a new a new decan. So so our ability to have detachment and to see the big picture and to to embrace unorthodox methods could lead to new rhythms that could lead to a, a fertility. Devin says Venus and Mars here is interesting to me because they both rule fixed signs, and both signs that each rule oppose each other and both signs that each rule oppose each other. So this might find harmony with those four areas through cutting away ideals. Yes. Yes. And don't ever mistake Mars as a planet that, um, you know, or I guess make sure you understand and Devin, I know you understand this, but uh, Mars is a planet that severs and separates and that's not always a bad thing. You know, like sometimes when we are too attached to something that isn't good for us, we need Mars to come in there and to shake things up and to say, no, it's time to move on. So that's a great way to, to see Venus and Mars coming together as well. Luna Storm says, I can't wait to get out of my garden again. You and me both, Luna Storm. We had a big snow here a week or two ago. You've, you heard my plow story last week. And, uh, snow's starting to melt and I'm seeing like a lot of the little plants there's little plants that are growing already in like what is it still January um and I'm getting the itch too I'm like oh I'm ready to be outside it's been cloudy and foggy here for like an entire week and I really could use that connection with nature too my friend but here's the other thing about Pisces season as we move into Pisces season you're going to start to see the snow melt you're going to start to see the the frozen you know, barriers that separate us from that new life start to melt and break down. And that, that primordial soup is going to be, uh, hopefully fertile in the, in the season to come when, when the growth begins in, in the spring equinox time period. 
Okay, so we've got the 21st and the 22nd with Jupiter moving into a new decan, uh, Venus conjoining Mars, and then we get to the 23rd, and what we've got going on here is we've got Mercury getting into a place of challenging dignity. Okay, so this is when Mercury is moving into Pisces. It's helping to set up this forming stellium in Pisces. And as I've been talking about, Mercury is challenged in this particular place. Okay, this is a place where, uh, as Devin is pointing out, mutable water, the snow melting into ice. Now, that is difficult for a planet like Mercury that likes to differentiate and sort things out into category. Think about Virgo and how they love to sort things into category and organize things. The opposite energy of that is everything blending into one thing. It's very difficult to get details when everything is blending into a primordial soup. So again, this planet is said to be doubly debilitated in this sign. Now, those of you who have Mercury and Pisces, don't fret. I have a number of friends who have Mercury and Pisces and, and they're, they're perfectly functional individuals and human beings. That being said, they've had to create systems in their life to be able to do mercurial things. And there have been challenges getting to that point. Many of them are very creative, artistic, poetic people as well. So if you have this placement in your natal chart, don't, don't despair, but you may have to create certain containers to be able to, to do the mercurial actions that, that are required of you in, in a society. Um, some people don't conform with this placement as well. Whenever we have a planet that's ill-dignified or in its exile or its fall, sometimes people just do things way differently. This, like I said, it's a great, great placement for creativity. It's not the best placement for knowing when to, to, for keeping an appointment or for leaving your house on time or catching the train or something like that. And you may have to put fail safes in place to, during this time to be able to not get caught in the Piscean ocean whirlpool. Because oftentimes I find when, when Mercury is moving through Pisces, that challenge that I have sometimes of like, going off into my imagination it gets way worse and I'm like I will look up in like an hour not an hour has passed but like two hours and I've just been daydreaming or I'm off in some other state of consciousness and I really have to be careful uh, especially if there's somewhere that I have to be my my cardinal sin when I did more things out socially was I would always overestimate the time that was required to get out of my house or underestimate it I guess I would say I would always be trying to do a million things before I'd leave and I would then I would be late and and I had to really work on that and say I can't do all the things I have mercury retrograde in cancer in the 12th house which is probably not dissimilar to what people experience with mercury and Pisces in uh, in that regard so so the same types of ways to be cognizant of time may be appropriate during this period of time uh, let's see, I'm going to get some nice comments here. Painted Turtle says, wise words when identifying trauma points in the chart. As an astrologer, both the bluntness and soft nature of your healing energy reminds me of Robin Williams' character in Goodwill Hunting. Oh, that's a good one. Thank you, Painted Turtle. 
I appreciate that. Uh, Robin Williams is another fellow Cancerian, so maybe this is part of the Cancerian energy is our, our softness, but I think there's also some tough love associated with Cancer. I think that we have to be truthful about things. Sometimes when, when you're, I guess, parenting, <laughs> for lack of a, any other better word for it, uh, sometimes the, the kids aren't going to exactly like everything that you say, but if you say it from a point of love, and truth, uh, eventually that will be the hopefully the best thing for us. And I try to do that as an astrologer. I try to keep it rooted and earthy, and, and, and I appreciate you saying that. Jennifer says, Gemini rising with Chiron and Jupiter in the first decade and Moon in the second decade. Yeah, so, so this could be something, again, where maybe during Mercury and Pisces period, as the ruler of your ascendant, there, there could be a little bit more... Uh, confusion potentially. There could be some situations in your life where uh, maybe a partnership is, is going through some challenges too. Like, uh, let's see, if I, or, no, your career. Let's see, there might be some confusion within your career potentially with Pisces in the 10th house related to Gemini. I'm having to shift around my brain as I look at it here. Um, but yeah, let's see. Painted Turtle says, your ability to hold firm and cut through the bullshit is one of the things I love best about how you relate. relay the sky's multitude of messages. Oh, thanks, Painted Turtle. Appreciate that. I I dislike bullshit, right? <laughs> so um, maybe that's the Taurus part of me, the Taurus moon part of me is, uh, I will have one foot in the stars and in the sky and in the ocean, but one other foot firmly planted in the ground. So, so that's, I think that might be part of the, the energy here too. But again, I'm, my viewpoint is only one perspective. And I, I, as much as I try to be as open, open-minded to multiple perspectives, there's going to be times where people just don't agree with me and, and have a different worldview and that's okay too. And I'm, I try to allow space for that as well. Uh, ben Dell says, astrologer, Good of Mars Mercury, which means I come back to catch the end. Good, good, good. Uh, well, I've got Mars in Virgo and Mercury in Cancer, if you're wondering. Um, yeah, Jennifer says Pisces in the 10th. All right, let's let's uh, let's see if we can focus up to the end here. And uh, I love all these comments, questions, and it really is awesome that all of you are here today with me and continuing to 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 contribute to the show today. I'm just a little bit on a time crunch here with uh, a thing that I've got to get going to. Oh my goodness, Dempy is here. Sorry, <laughs> I have to welcome Dempy. Love from the Netherlands. Nice to see you, friend. It's been a little while since I've seen you. Hope that you are doing well and getting ready for your garden down there as well. Okay, um, so nonlinear thinking, figurative language, poetry, uh, being able to think and communicate in metaphor, which is good in some circumstances, but can be very detrimental in others is helping us to build towards an experience with the full moon. Okay, so here's the full moon. Oops, that's not what we wanted. Uh, here's the full moon in Virgo. So this is the, the sun in, in Pisces 1 opposing the moon in Virgo 1. So this is really an interesting time period. This, this week from February 24th, until February 29th is very, very interesting from an astrological perspective. So the full we're going to have the full moon with Mercury hosting the moon, 
in with Mercury in its exile. Okay, and its fall. We have the host of the sun in Taurus too, which is sextile, so that's a positive relationship. Uh, the first aspect that the moon is going to make is a trine with Mars. Uh, and that is after the VOC. So you remember in the, in the hours ago, in the beginning of the show, when I talked about out of bounds and, and void of course moon, this, we're going to have the full moon perfecting on this Saturday and then immediately go into a three day void of course. And to me, that's fascinating because this full moon, we're trying to get clarity about the details of a process when there's a huge stack up in a sign that dissolves any sort of boundaries or classification or organization. So this full moon, if you're frustrated with trying to get the details about something, you might as well just pack it in for the next three days afterwards <laughs> because probably not going to get the information that you so desperately desire uh, until later in the week. Now that knowledge is actually fairly liberating. So I would encourage you friends at this full moon, let go and let universe, okay? Let go and go watch Steven Universe, if that's what you do. That's what I've been doing recently. I know I'm late to the party with that, but I love that show. It is amazing. It's it's created by a Cancerian and with Cancer 2 Sun, and I just vibe with that show on a deep level. Um, it's kind. It doesn't shy away from some melancholy and some sadness and some difficult reality checks, but it's it's also fun. I just, I love it. I, I can't get enough of it right now. Um, but that being said, this full moon, uh, you may have to go on an, on a spiritual journey during this full moon. And if you get caught up on the how that might get in the way of your why. So try to get as many details as you can, I guess but recognize that the true moment of clarity will come about three days later after the void of course moon. Okay. Now the other challenge in this full, full moon is that both Venus and Jupiter are going to be squared one another. Okay. From about 10 degrees of Aquarius and Taurus. So we may have some, some questions about our freedom versus our material security. And those are difficult questions to answer when you live in late stage capitalism. Uh, so there are lots of compromises that we've all had to make just to survive. And you may be asking yourself questions and, and uh, about your ethics around what is necessary and what isn't to do. How much do you need to be visible or, or how much do you want to be in the background? Those are questions that we were an answering at this full moon in Leo. So, so those are things that could come up and, uh, with that as well. The good news is, is that Venus is in an overcoming position with Jupiter. So our objectivity could be, be helping us to create material abundance potentially moving forward. So I like that. Um, now the same can't be said for Mars and the overcoming square to Jupiter because Mars is going to be harming our ability to, to do that through maybe making some severings and separations that are hasty. And we should maybe be patient about moving on as well. 
Uh, Dimpy says, amazing. You just described my daughter's natal moon. Pure recognition. Oh, good. I'm glad, Dimpy. I'm glad that you're finding a, a, a moment of awareness and a moment of phosphorus here. That, that makes me feel good. I love when we can have those connections and those light bulb moments. Rachel's here. What's up, Rachel? Hello over and uh, I believe joining us from, from Ireland. Uh, Mercury and Pisces native here, very metaphorical communicator and a tendency to look for feelings in communication. Very prone to lateness, but also somehow managed to teach a foreign language. There you go. So, so this is the thing, like you're using that Mercury to connect with people who are uh, maybe outside the norm and outside of the, 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 the center of a society. And maybe because of your intuitive abilities, you're able to, to, to hear and see the nuances behind the words that are saying and help people understand the meanings behind the words, not just the words themselves. Oftentimes, this is a complaint many people have about Geminis is that they will be, they will say the words, but they may not even understand the full impact of those words and they get hung up on the words themselves. Whereas a Mercury and Pisces native is seeing all the, the context in the words, which for better or for worse, Oftentimes, sometimes as a Mercury in Cancer, I'm not listening to the words that people are saying. I'm, look, I'm looking for context constantly. And it actually very much helps me in my work as an astrologer because when people are telling me a story, um, I can hear all of the other things that they're saying through their tone. And that helps me to go back to the chart and say, I can, they're telling me one thing, but I can hear something completely different in their voice. I'm going to look at the chart and see if I can connect the dots there. Now, that, that isn't always an advantage because sometimes when we are constantly looking for tone and context, we can see things that aren't there. And it's mostly a challenge with your romantic partner when they say things in a certain way. And you're like, well, I don't like your tone or your tone is weird there. What do you mean by that? That can lead to all sorts of weird challenges. But uh, especially when you live with a Mercury in Capricorn who states things very matter of factly. But I digress. But welcome, Rachel. I'm glad that you're here today. So to finish up our thoughts on this full moon, um, there may be a surrendering that needs to take place. Uh, try not to get frust too frustrated if all of the details that you are looking for aren't immediately available. Um, yeah, Rachel says, it's great to be here, Spencer. Really enjoying the journey tonight. Good, good. I'm glad to hear that, Rachel. Um, so be patient with the details that you might need. Uh, don't force things during the void of course moon. I would really highly, highly recommend that if you're waiting, if you're trying to reveal something, if you're trying to take action on something, this full moon is not the time to like force it and to ram it into manifestation. It, you'd have a much better chance if you waited until the void of course is over, okay, on the 27th, and that you've gotten the information that you need on the 28th when all of those planets conjoin the sun, Mercury, and Saturn can join the Sun and Mercury can join Saturn okay so that's our, that's the full moon and we'll break that down in much more depth in a specific live stream where we will take it through the houses so if we're looking at the uh, the 27th here is where we have the square between Mars and Jupiter okay so this one is not as fortuitous as the Venus squared Jupiter. 
So, and especially because Mars is in the overcoming position. If it was Jupiter overcoming Mars, we could say something completely different. And that's a Hellenistic technique where a planet is said to be sort of in the, the pole position. It's chasing the other planet. It's harming the other planet. Um, whereas if it, was, if it was reversed, Jupiter would be trying to help. Um, so in this case, we may have conflicts over principles, especially the second decan of Aquarius, Mars there, there's arguments over the principle of the thing, the ideal of the thing. Uh, but especially over how, how we are managing our resources with the overcoming square to, to Jupiter. So we could have arguments about giving and receiving abundance if we bring it back to the Six of Pentacles discussion. We may be wanting to take action to move on, but that could be making us feel very uncomfortable with the, the routines that we are being asked to, to change. Oftentimes when we, you know, Taurus is a, is a sign and is a temple, Venus is a, in her relationship with Taurus is, is wanting to create harmony and comfort, especially within the body. So this intellectual severing that will be necessary to move on could make us feel very uncomfortable physically. And we just have to work through it. I mean, there's, there's times when we get pushed beyond our limits and, and, um, that's just part of life. And if we didn't get pushed by Mars beyond those limits, we'd just become stagnated and we wouldn't continue to grow and we wouldn't continue to thrive. So keep that in mind when we get the Mars-Jupiter square here. It also could be an escalation of some kind of conflict that's already been in place in those two areas of your life as well. And then, friends, we've gotten to our pretty big moment in the sky. And here it is. February the 28th. Oh my gosh. Look at this. Oh my gosh. That sounded very Midwest. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh, sorry. Sorry, you're going to have to experience this. My gosh. <laughs> they say in the Midwest of the United States. Sorry. We apologize for everything. Um, that's a big stack up at nine degrees of Pisces. You have Mercury Kazemi, which means Kazemi is when something is in the heart of the sun. Okay, so Mercury and the Sun conjoining, the beginning of a, a creative process potentially, or maybe even the beginning of a confusion around something where we may be really wanting to, to move on. Uh, think about it, I think of the imaging of shining a light in the ocean or the sun shining through the ocean. It becomes distorted, that light becomes distorted. The images below the water and the surface of the water are distorted. Keep that in mind with this Mercury Kazemi is that the information that you're receiving may be a version of something, but it may not have well-defined edges. Mercury will be coming together with Saturn. So it is encouraging us to be sober in our thinking. It's, it is, we may have endings associated with the Gemini and Virgo area of our chart. We're, we're navigating the labyrinth that Austin Coppett calls this Deccan. We may be telling or processing an old narrative and releasing an old narrative. This is an important moment for releasing an old story that doesn't serve us anymore. And it may be emotional. There may be tears that are shed. There may be big feels with it, but that's okay. That's what's going to get us to the other side. The catharsis could be very purifying and healing. And then finally, the sun is going to be coming together with Saturn. Now this is what is called the Kazemi of Saturn. So new responsibilities, new mythologies, and a completely new Saturn cycle. So we get 
I believe we get this Saturn Kazemi. We get it once a year, right? We're getting we're getting uh, an idea of what our responsibilities are going to be for the year. And in this case, this year, maybe how do we change the 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 underlying uh, things that we accept as the truths in our life? Okay. So this is super important for us to be able to be flexible with how we feel our lives should or shouldn't be going. Does that make sense? Oftentimes, the biggest blockage to our material manifestation are old, solidified emotions that are stopping us from taking the physical actions that would lead to success. And that is, that's heavy. Um, when we talk about manifestation energy, I don't completely disagree with all of the New Age thinking on it. But as someone pointed out earlier, on this channel we try to cut through some of the bullshit. And I'm going to be honest with you friends, some of that like law of attraction, you know, put your mind towards a Lamborghini stuff is just bullshit. That's not exactly how it works. There are kernels of truth within that. My personal opinion is that a physical action can start from a feeling and a belief, but you have to take the physical action eventually. Just as it works in the reverse, a physical action can create a feeling and a belief. So it works both ways. You see what I'm saying? So in this case, we have the opportunity to reevaluate our feelings, our beliefs, the responsibilities, and the, the blueprints of our life that we've created from belief. Because that it does work in that fashion as well. Like, we, we absolutely are making choices in our life because of the, the stories we accept as truth. And oftentimes those stories and those truths are based on trauma, based on painful experiences and the way that we had to cope with them. And sometimes those circumstances are over. And we don't need to have those defense mechanisms anymore. We can start dismantling those boundaries that keep us from happiness. And that's... I'll tell you what, I'm getting choked up just thinking about that. Just getting emotional, just thinking about the opportunity to do that in my own life. To be able to dismantle some of the, the, the barriers that keep us from happiness as a defense mechanism from prior trauma. So, really important day. And if that day wasn't enough for you, you're going to get one more day. <laughs> you get one more day. And just to finish my thought on the on the stack up here, please also keep in mind that all of these planets are going to be hosted by Jupiter and Taurus. So many of these narratives are going to be around how we give and receive material abundance, how we organize our lives in the way that we balance work and play in our life, how we create he healthy rhythms and routines in our life, and check it out. Jupiter's hanging out with Uranus. Don't be afraid to try something new 
if what you've been doing in the past isn't working. Take the leap. Try something out. What's the worst that can happen? You fail? It's probably not working out now. Why not try something? Okay? These are it's important to to do things based on to take a risk based on our new information. And I'm talking to myself as much as I'm talking to all of you. I'm extraordinarily risk averse. To to a debilitating degree, to be honest with you. But there's times where we just have to put ourselves out there. And we have to take that risk. And it becomes more uncomfortable to stay stuck than it does to try to stay, quote-unquote, safe. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay, friends. Let's go one more day, this leap day. <laughs> this 29th. Uh, on the 29th, we just have one day with Sun and Pisces 2. And I'm not going to go through all of Pisces 2. Check back in in March to get a full breakdown. But the basic gist of it is we've got the Nine of, of Cups where we are, it's a Jupiter-ruled Deccan, where we may be able to have a more harmonious communication between our imagination, our inner worlds, and our external manifestations. The only danger when the sun moves into Pisces 2 is that we, we may overestimate our abilities. There's, there's themes of, of youthful apprentices that get themselves into trouble because they have an unearned confidence. I'm thinking of the story of Phaethon, who tried to drive the chariot of the sun and you know, eventually crashed it or, or was shot out of the sky by Zeus because he was creating a lot of damage because he wasn't able to, to drive it. Uh, skillfully enough yet. Okay, Michelle says, Oh my God, Chris Brennan was just talking about this in his most recent episode. The secret bullshit doesn't apply as it's not always in people's charts. Not that word for word, but you get my gist. The secret bullshit doesn't apply. Um, say more about that, Michelle. What is the secret bullshit? Define that for me so that I know exactly what I'm, what I am referring to. I love Chris Brennan, and I would love to be able to engage with, uh, to be on the same wavelength with him. I have it's been a while since I've um, listened to one of his podcasts. I should listen more. Um, I'll come back to that, Michelle. M can you uh, define it ex extra for me? Jeeva Maya is here. Says hi, Spencer. Haven't been on the live since I saw you for a reading. Happy twenty twenty four. Glad I caught the last day of February. <laughs> anyway, party people. Oh, oh, nice to see you, friend. Hope things are working well with you and. All the transitions in your life are going well. Um, I believe England is where you're joining us from, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, you, you're catching leap day. Uh, Candy Corn is here. says, do you use Hellenistic rules on Void of Course or Modern? That's a great question. I use the Hellenistic rules on Void of Course. So the Void of Course moon that I talked about earlier today is a much more rare occurrence than the modern definition that usually happens once every few days. This Hellenistic void only happens roughly once every couple months. So yes. Practical Astro says, the movie The Secret? Yes, this is exactly what we're talking about. That movie co-opted some parts of quantum physics and of hermetic philosophy and turned it into an advertisement for capitalism. And I disagree with their takeaways and with the underlying current of how oh, how can I say this the 
victim blaming of telling people that they just didn't think positively enough and that's why their life sucks. I don't agree with that. I think that that is, there are some parts where that can be true, where yes, sometimes we can be our own worst enemy and the chart sometimes shows that to us. But there are also things in our life that are immutable and unchangeable. And there's also things that happen to us that are not necessarily our fault. So I find that the the underlying, like, wish hard enough and you get a Lamborghini part of it really rubs me the wrong way. Um, but there again, there are some kernels in there that could be could be good. Uh, have a nice weekend. Time for errands. Good. Uh, Don says, Chris just did an amazing show on lots and was so awesome. Good. I'll have to check that out. Practical Astrology, Practical Astro says, agree with your take on the secret. Chris Brennan in talking about a lot of fortune addresses this. Okay, cool. I'll have to check that out then. If multiple people are like, you should check this out, then it's time for me to check it out. Naturalized alien residences, fools, gurus who claim they know the truth. The secret is no one knows. I I hear you. I, I hear you with the great mystery. I don't necessarily claim to be an expert about any of this. Like I, I love to have possibilities uh, I love to raise questions. That's what we do on this channel is we try to ask the right questions and then we get, we each get to live into our own answer. And when someone claims that they have a uh, 100% trademark on the truth or the secret or whatever it is, that's when my bullshit alarm goes off very loud and I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. This might be manipulative. So if if you have that in your life, yeah, Michelle's talking about the manifesting. Okay, yes, absolutely. So I'm going back. Yeah, the secret manifesting BS doesn't apply as it's not always in people's chart. Yes, okay, got, I got it now, okay. So what Michelle is referring to and what Chris Brennan is saying is that there are certain things in our life, and I, this is where we're going to have to have real talk for a second here, friends. There are certain things in life that aren't meant for us, okay? And that's just the hard, stoic truth. <laughs> and that's okay, that it, it, when we come to terms with some of the things that just weren't meant for us, that allows us the freedom to pursue the things that are supported in the chart and that are for us. Now, that doesn't mean that everyone isn't entitled to basic safety, security, and basic needs of life, okay? Respect. But there are certain manifestations of that that are extreme. And sometimes the chart, the chart will show that, and sometimes the chart will say, this just isn't for you. And that's okay. That's okay. When we come, when we learn to accept those things while also learning about what is possible for us and becoming the best version of ourselves, then I think we are embracing astrology in the positive way. Okay. So the final aspect here on leap day is just a, uh, a Mercury sextile with Jupiter. So Mercury in this 11 degree second decan, where we may be overestimating our ability, coming into sextile with our with Jupiter in Taurus 3. So just stay realistic. Think about that faith on story and try not to leap into something where you are overestimating your abilities that could get you into trouble on that leap day. Okay, friends, I think we are getting close to the end here. Uh, Let's go back and we will take a look at the end. So again, that was our, just a review, we had that big stellium in Pisces, nine degrees. 
we had the sun moving into Pisces too on the 29th and uh, that's our month of February friends that's the astrology of February do me a huge favor please like and subscribe to the channel um, I've got two more things for you we're gonna wrap up the day with a hexagram and with an animal and with a little story it'll get us into that mercury and Pisces mindset so the hexagram that I got for all of you here today was number 58 changing to hexagram number 54 okay now this is a hexagram that roughly translates to joy giving and receiving sharing and communication exchange enthusiasm but also inner peace and stability and integrity and there's one changing line and it says it's a warning actually it says placing confidence in what is deteriorating is dangerous it encourages us not to make bad investments either in stocks or situations relationships that there may be a situation in your life where there's a sinking ship where we're getting a reality check we're seeing through the bullshit remember Saturn in Pisces can also show us the reality of a dream or an illusion that we had that just needs to die that needs to be let go of okay um, so hexagram 58 is joy and it's moving towards this hexagram uh, 54 which is called subordination um, so again we may have a situation where all is not what it appears to be and especially with mercury and Pisces that could lead to people who are trying to manipulate us right through deception sometimes mercury and Pisces can lead to a, a very deceptive quality not everybody and we have some beautiful mercury and Pisces people in here where deception is not their modus operandi but this could be just an overall vibe um, so don't place your trust in people that may try to uh, manipulate you or that may be unreliable remember you got that VOC moon okay we may not have all the details we have a lot of challenges with with planets conjoining Pluto so there could be corruption in that regard but this is changing to the hexagram 54 which translates to subordination the marrying maiden concubine keeping in the background accepting a difficult position this hexagram comes up a lot when we're having to take a step back and accept some of our circumstances that this the story is about how ancient Chinese civilization was organized where oftentimes uh, they had situations where you had the primary wife and then you had a secondary wife that that had lesser status and because the not saying that that's uh, the way that we want to organize our society it's just that this is part of the fund fund foundation of the I Ching and there's there's lessons in that that there are sometimes circumstances in our life where we we maybe aren't in the central position we aren't in the the pole position of power and we have to sometimes make do with situations that aren't really as ideal as we want them to be and there's wisdom in that sometimes especially in accepting some situations that that aren't um, aren't easily fixed um, I think oftentimes we can make a situation worse if we try to force a solution on something so this might be a period to to, to hold back try to get all the information that you can I want you also to keep in mind we have a enormous set of eclipses coming in Aries season so if you're feeling like you're stuck 
there may be a beautiful new start where you might feel very much empowered with the the new moon eclipse in the second decade of Aries where you have the ability to move under your own power. So this might be a time just to hang in there, to to treat yourself to maybe a little bit of a little bit a sousant of escapism within reason while you're still managing your responsibilities and just letting yourself be led by the universe to where it wants to take you. I do think that there is organization in this beautiful experience that we have. I think there I do believe that there is some kind of higher power or organizing system. And I think that sometimes we do need to surrender to the natural forces and be led to where we need to go. And I think that this this hexagram reading really speaks to that on some level. Okay. Thank you, Dawn, for the, the super chat today, the super sticker here. Um, it says, thank you for being such a wonderful soul. Thank you, friend. Thank you for your generosity and being your wonderful soul self as well, my friend. Um, appreciate you. Uh, Jennifer, oh crap, got home. My sun pump is not working. Basement flooded. Now on my way to pick up my dad for the hospital. Oh no. Hang in there, Jennifer. Uh, this is just part of the, maybe the transition into Pisces energy. <laughs> you got this. Okay, so that's our hexagram. And we're going to end today on with an animal. And the animal that I got for you for the month of February is the cricket. And I'm going to pull up a picture of the cricket. His name is Chester. And if you recognize Chester from the 1972 uh, cartoon adaptation voiced by Chuck Jones of The Cricket in Times Square, written by George Selden, a beloved children's classic and runner-up for the Newbery Medal. <laughs> like, I just, I pulled this animal, I pulled them randomly from my divination toolkit. I, I actually use a book called Animal Frequency. I really love that one. But I was thinking about the energy of this month and I, this story popped into my mind and I, I went and dug out this book from a box of kids' books in my attic that I've held on to. And there was a moment and a, 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 something I'd like to read to all of you. The cricket is, a, is an animal of good luck. It is r about jumping into a new situation. It encourages us to uh, realign to a higher vibration. They rub their wings together to create beautiful music and vibrations. Um, it encourages us to let go of emotional baggage. Uh, it encourages us to sing even in dark times. And I thought this was super beautiful, um, seeing this, the cricket as a symbol of protection. In this story, cricket in, the cricket in Times Square, we are dealing with Chester the cricket, who is an embodiment, I think, of both the Aquarian and the Piscean archetype. He's a, he's a refugee. He, he, was, um, he, he found himself in a picnic basket, taken away from his home in the countryside, and found himself in a new place, very unfamiliar situation. He ran into some trouble where he, he, he met up with some good-hearted but somewhat unreliable friends in Tucker the Mouse and Harry the Cat. And he got blamed for something that wasn't necessarily his fault, a fire at, in the 
the newsstand, and in directly after his most challenging moment, where he had been accused of uh, destroying the family newsstand, he started singing. He started soothing himself through his creative process and through his personal creativity. And he reached the, the matriarch of the newsstand through an operatic piece and softened her anger through song. And eventually he was able to share his song with the rest of Times Square and in the subway. And I wanted to read to you the, one of the moments of his connection and what creative music and, and the creative process can help us through. I'm going to read this. This is page 138 in The Cricket in Times Square by George Selden. Uh, let's see. It says... Okay, so this is the time when he is starting to sing. Um, he says, Then they too were silent, and for as long as the music lasted, no one moved a hair or a whisker. Chester's playing filled the station. Like ripples around a stone dropped into still water. The circle of silence spread out from the newsstand. And as the people listened, a change came over their faces. Sorry, I'm getting choked up. I love this book. Eyes that looked worried grew soft and peaceful. Tongues left off chattering. And ears full of the city's rustling were rested by the cricket's melody. The men at the other newsstands heard Chester and stopped shouting for people to buy their newspapers and magazines. Mickey, the counterman, heard him and left off making a Coca-Cola. The three girls came to the door of the loft's candy store. Passengers coming up from the lower level paused before asking the policeman for directions. No one dared break the hush that had taken hold of the station. Above the cricket cage, through a grate in the sidewalk, the chirping rose up to the street. A man who was walking down Broadway stopped and listened, and then did something else. In a minute, a knot of people were staring at the grate. What is it? An accident? What's happening? Whispers passed back and forth in the crowd. But as soon as there was a moment of silence, everyone could hear the music. People overflowed the sidewalk into the street. A policeman had to stop traffic so no one would get hurt. And then everyone in the stopped cars heard Chester too. You wouldn't think a tiny cricket's chirp could carry so far. But when all is silence, the piercing notes can be heard for miles. Traffic came to a standstill. The buses, the cars, the men and women walking. Everything stopped. And what was strangest of all is no one mind, minded. Just this once, in the very heart of the busiest of cities, everyone was perfectly content not to move and hardly to breathe. And for those few minutes, while the song lasted, Times Square was as still as a meadow at evening, with the sun streaming in on the people there and the wind moving among, th among them as if they were the only tall blades of grass. It's good stuff. So, beautiful, beautiful story, beautiful writing. It really helps encourage us to find peace within our inner 
creative selves that no matter what type of noise is bustling around us, we can still find peace in our faith, in our creative process, and in our stillness. Remember that to calm a stream that has become muddied by, let's say, let's call it the fish of overthinking, we have to get still and that water will become clear and the way forward will be revealed. All right, my friends, that is what I have for you today. So, do me a huge favor. Uh, please like and subscribe to the channel if you're new here. Uh, please visit me at spencermichaud.com. Reach out for a reading if you need more help and assistance uh, unpacking your own individual chart. And then you can follow me over at Spencer Michaud on Instagram and Twitter and threads. So that is what I've got for you today. Thank you so much for being here today, for all your wonderful comments, for your generous super chats, and um, good luck in February. And um, hopefully we will all be able to, to sing within the dark times. All right. Okay, friends, have a great weekend. Have a great February. And I'll talk to you soon. Peace.